What's going on, everybody? It's Jester954, and today is a very special day. Today, we're embarking on a new adventure. It's Nerds News. Uh, we've been talking about it for a while, and basically we want to give you guys some more content. A lot of times we have way too much news to cover on the show, so I'm going to go ahead and compile all the news here and do it today with a special guest, a friend of ours. You should be familiar with them. Yo, 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 what's up? Mr. Myers. Seth Myers is joining me, everyone. How's it going? Uh, like I said before, basically, this is just a little bonus episode of Nerds for you guys. Uh, the last episode we did was the New Year's or the kind of end of the year wrap up. And there was a, we skipped a week. So we had a whole bunch of news we didn't go over. And we had like 20 things of news, which meant like the next episode we would end up having like 30 things of news. And then you already know the whole thing. Episodes are long enough. And I've also been wanting to do some extra content for you guys, so you guys have more to listen to. And this is our first foray into that adventure. So please bear with me. This is the first time I'm recording on my own. So it's a little bit, a uh, little trial and error. Little things are going to be a little bit different here. But uh, it's just more of the same. Uh, we don't have Aaron or James with us. It's just me right now with our buddy, good friend of the show, Seth Myers. That's right. I'm here from Who's Next Gaming. Yeah, man. Who's Next Gaming Entertainment. Go check him out over there. A lot of fun. You know, it's funny. I started listening to you guys. Um, I, I'm really bad at like listening to like like to friends' podcasts because I feel like I know them so much. It's, it's easier for me to listen to strangers. But the other day in our chat, Nana brought up that he had gone back to listen to an episode that you and I did and Kevin did mm-hmm. about like religion in games. <laughs> and I was like, Oh no. Cause like, that's back when I used to, you know, your boys to get sauced up. I used to drink a lot. And uh, back then you would hit me up and we would start recording at like 11 PM. So I'd already be like, you know, have a couple drinks in me. <laughs> yeah. There's a couple episodes where I'm, your boy is, I'm just wilding out. Um, yep. So Nana was like, oh, great episode, guys. And I was just thinking, oh, God, no. What did I say? Uh, because there's a lot of times on, on Nerds, we like to keep things kind of middle of the road. We don't like to go too far into either direction. And I have a lot to say about a lot of ridiculous shit. And on Seth's show, I can kind of just kind of go off. So I was wondering, like, what the hell did I say? Because uh, I do remember I did ask you to cut out, like, a good 10, 15 minutes of a rant. Yeah, like 15. Yeah. yeah, it was like a 15 minute segment where I was like, hey, man, just cut that out. Like, I I stand by what I was saying in that segment, but like, I just don't think not everything needs to be said. So, um, yeah. but I did go back and listen to it and it was good. And then on that episode, you were talking about that was around the whole like kind of George Floyd time and stuff. And then you were talking about how you had done an episode with some of your buddies kind of going yeah. more into that whole thing. And yeah. I was like, oh, let me go back and listen to that one. And then I listened to that one. Wasn't as crazy as I thought. I was like, oh, man, there's going to be a bunch of crazy takes. But uh, no, just good, measured conversation. Uh, and I enjoyed it. And I started listening. And yeah, dude, I, I actually finally started like actually listening more uh, and enjoying Who's Next a lot more. I'm starting to like, I don't know the guys' names by voice yet, but uh, I like the little Motley crew you got over there. 
Yeah, you got Jerome, basically the one that sounds kind of hood. That's Jerome. <laughs> uh, Renee is a little more measured, kind of softer way of speaking. Lately, because he, he never really podcasted before, and I brought him in because me and him used to – he's the one who helped me lose a lot of weight and get me in shape with the gym. Yeah. And set me on that path. He helped me at least, like direct me when I started trying to evolve my weight loss from just eating better to like lifting weights. Because he's a gym trainer. He's, uh, he has his own Instagram, uh, Renegade Fit, I believe it's at Renegade Fit. Um, if you want to hit him up about weight loss tips and stuff like that, I mean, definitely. It's his, he's his own, he runs his own business, his own thing. He has a little gym somewhere in the New Orleans area. And um, yeah, so, but he's like nerd, like me, like super well-versed in movie and like comic knowledge. Like yeah. he is, he knows a lot of shit. Like he will, if you get down the road in the podcast listening, I've played games with him and like he crushes it, dude. Like he just has <laughs> a lot of good <laughs> memory about a lot of shit and uh, it's good. And then um, Patrick, of course, he's just the old guy who joins us. Love Patrick. He's been with me for a long time. He When he first started, he went to E3, actually. And I ran into him at a gas station. And uh, he used to work with my wife. And I actually worked at uh, the same spot, too, with him. And um, I was like, yo, bro, we're talking a bit. And he's like, I'm going to E3. I was like, you want to come on my podcast? I would love for you to talk about that shit. So he did. And he talked to us about the horrors of E3. He talked to us about like <laughs> Wait, the horrors, the horrors of E. Yes, there was some. Oh, weird I, thought you, I thought you said the horrors. I did say the horrors. Oh, the horrors. W h o r e s. Oh no. E3. It was a great. It was a great. I enjoyed that episode because it was crazy. He he talked to all the people that when you listen to normal gaming podcasts, they don't talk to them. Yeah. <laughs> that's who he talked to, and that's what we talked about on that episode in particular. There was a group, some girls and stuff, they were doing some strange-ass game, and they called themselves like the whores of something. And it was some weird-ass fucking game that he was talking to us about. It was years ago. I don't even remember the details exactly, but it was very interesting from what I remember. And then the next year he went to E3 and talked to us about the crowd of people that would just follow Hideo Kojima around the fucking building. Oh, of course. He's and he, we had God, pictures bro. I think he shared on Instagram of just like, it was like Jesus walking amongst the gamers. <laughs> and just like them following like disciples, following him around E3. That's how he described it. But that was the year when RE2 Remake was announced and that was showing E3. Oh, nice. stuff. And Death Stranding was kind of in that whole like what is it what is this game and then we found out it's a walking simulator but you know whatever so <laughs> yeah. that's in the but news today also very nice to hear man i'm glad that you're listening and uh and enjoying it yeah so, man it's good definitely dude uh so yeah i mean uh so yeah we usually do weeks on the main show there's no reason to go into like major weeks but um yeah. just a couple little things we i'll bring it up just because we can't um, do is what we talked about and I want you to talk to me about the oh, fucking yeah. Abyss Watcher. Oh, yeah. So, so in the last episode. Last, last episode, I haven't got exactly to the end. I think I've got like maybe 30, 45 minutes left. I do. Um, but y'all were talking about Dark Souls 3. 
And if your listeners may or may, some of y'all might know, because I know some of y'all listen to me, some of the listeners listen to me, as well as watch me on Twitch. I'm doing a Dark Souls 3, Soul Level 1, Fist Weapons Only, No Rings. So, (laughs) Why do you have to throw the no rings on there, man? That helps out. No rings. (laughs) I have not put on a ring. I'm not gay, bro. I'm not wearing no (laughs) rings. Oh, God. But... uh, (laughs) No, I'm just messing. But um, no, I mean, no rings. I did it for Dark Souls 1, so I wanted to mimic the same challenge for Dark Souls 3. And um, I've been going through these bosses. I've fought all the way up to... I just beat um, Aldrich. God, Aldrich is the worst. One of the worst. I beat Aldrich yesterday. It's actually one of the the easier ones, I'd say. Um, So far. Um... I beat them, beat dancer and stuff. So now I'm fighting. What's the what's the fucking boss that keeps talking to you the whole time? And he's like, looks like he's holding a baby or something. He's got his hand cupped. Um, he's like a, like a, like a magic. Yeah, I think so. Osiris. Osiris. Yeah, he's like a magic dragon creature down yeah. below. Osiris, the dragon buddy. So that's kind of where I'm at. So of course I'm actually I've almost finished a good portion of the main game bosses. So not in the DLC yet. I haven't okay. touched that yet, but I'm going to. Um, Abyss Watchers, I felt like, was one of the easiest fights to get through. I don't know, man. I mean, I it's been a while. It's been a couple of years since I played Dark Souls 3, but the Abyss Watchers was always a rough fight for me. It, I mean, they fight each other, but then it's the, it's the big one, the powered-up one you have to fight at the end. That guy is always a nightmare for me. Interesting. Yeah, he wasn't really that bad and um, on my run. I mean, the ones I had a good problem with so far. Dancer. Um, see, Alderich, Alder, I'll say this, Alderich, it took me a second to learn how to get past, and Kevin gave me a good tip to get past the arrows that um mm-hmm. like the arrow rains phase on the second phase on the first phase it's actually a nice little trick that if you just run around behind aldrich on uh, when he shoots the arrows you you could just wail on him you don't get hit okay. the second phase though they home in on you but if you run in a circle around the pillar the arrows won't hit you you can just run around oh, like that okay and so it's a you learn a lot of these little tricks like um i also learned with um vort that um on the second phase, whenever he charges up to shoot that ice breath, mm-hmm. if you heavy punch him in the face, he downs and you can visceral attack him. Oh, nice. So uh, not just heavy punch, but any heavy attack. Yeah. Full charged heavy attack, boom, he downs and you can visceral attack. That helped me because I had to bare fist him. And that helped me a lot with that fight. Yeah, luckily I never, I don't know why I've never had a problem with that fight, but it is the first boss fight. Yeah, the first two, Vort and all that, it's not really that much of an issue. The only problem with Vort was I was bare fisting that fight. But once I found the um the visceral attack trick, that helped. Also, Yorm, I did him without Storm Ruler, so just punched Oof. him. And there's a nice trick that if you keep putting pressure and attacking his right hand, he downs for a visceral attack. Nice. And that helps boost a lot of damage to get that fight done quicker than just chipping away at him slowly, punching his feet. So um, there, there's some little tricks that really help balance those fights. And it's interesting doing a run. The reason why I like doing some runs like this 
it reframes boss fights. Like to be fair, like um, a Dark Souls one, you you you've talked about this. Four Kings, one of yeah. the hardest fights that, that you fight. really dealt with in that, right? Yeah, it usually makes me quit the game. In my first run of Dark Souls, I actually beat the Four Kings on my first try, hmm. right? On my soul level one run of Dark Souls, that was the hardest boss fight I had to do. Wow. And the reason being oh, is because... Oh, you have because, to kill them fast, right? Huh? It's because you have to kill them fast. And the longer yes. that they're around, the more they keep... Like, there's more than four of them. If you don't kill them, like, they just keep coming. Exactly. That was the problem. No, they don't stop it. They stop it four. But if you kill off, they respawn up to four. So they'll respawn, but it'll stop it as four. It doesn't get, like, ten of them. You yeah, know yeah. I, mean? I mean, like, if you kill one of them... And then you take too long, like you'll eventually be fighting four at once. Yeah, you will eventually be fighting four at once. And that was the biggest problem I had with that fight. Like that fight was one that like, fuck, dude. Like <laughs> I, I that was the one. If anyone made me reconsider the whole fucking Dark Soul level one, it was four kings because of the way that fight was. And I had this a similar, but not nearly as bad, not nearly as bad as four Kings, but a similar experience with the deacons of the deep, the deacons of the deep doing that fight. When you're surrounded by a bunch of people and you can't just slay through them quickly. Yeah. And if they hit you like twice, you die. It changes that fight. Like, and there was things about that fight. I didn't realize that if, if you, don't put pressure on when the priest comes out. The whole you'll you'll get he'll cast curse in the whole room and you'll just get cursed. Oh. I didn't know that. So like I was trying to play a long game one of the rounds and all of a sudden I just got cursed and died. Yeah. Oh, what? Yeah, that's stuff I haven't had to deal with because a lot of those fights, like the Deacons and uh the other one you were just talking about, um like Vort. And mm -hmm. another one, the fights are over so fast, usually for me, that I don't even end up seeing most of their shit. Exactly. And so doing these soul level one runs has been interesting because you really break down the boss to a mechanical level doing it to get through it. And it, it does something for me. It has made me appreciate certain bosses more than others. Now, I still love the Abyss Watchers as a fight, but it yeah. was definitely the easiest fight that I had to do in Dark Souls 3 so far Damn. Uh, um i think the only easier one might have been the big the big plant the big um the, oh, tree. the tree yeah the big fucking tree um that one wasn't so bad either uh especially once you get to the second phase because then you don't have all the little buddies running around mm -hmm. that was then you kind of had to dodge around with that so um but yeah, I just thought we'd bring that up on your last episode because I heard you saying that. I was like, Abyss Watcher is one of the hard ones you highlight out of me, everyone. Yeah. I mean, well, just because, look, saying that Abyss Watchers was difficult or challenging is not saying that it's harder than Nameless King or or the, the Demon Prince yeah. you know, or obviously Sister Freed and shit like that. Like, obviously those boss fights are harder, but... The Abyss Watchers, for me at least, from what I remember, that second phase is so aggressive. But then again, you never know. Next time I play that game, who knows how it'll go? Because a lot of times, like, I come to games years later. I'm I'm dealing with this with Witcher right now. I'm playing a lot of Witcher right now. Mm -hmm. And the first time I played The Witcher 3, 
the Wild Hunt, it was super hard. I, I just was not, I just didn't know how to play it. I think I was trying to play it like a Dark Souls game. And I remember like getting killed by like a group of like five drowners, which are nothing. And now I'm playing it and I cannot find anything that can even challenge me. Not to be like, oh, I'm so good. I am still somewhat early, I guess. I'm like 20 something hours in. I'm in Skellige, maybe 30 hours. Uh, and I don't know, man. I'm just like crushing through this game. Like right now, it's just kind of, it's kind of just interactive. Like I'm just going through the story because nothing is really challenging me yet. I'll find an enemy f fucking 10 levels above me and I'll just crush it. Um, which you is. Know, Aaron says the same thing when he went back to Dark Souls 1 and he went back to certain games. I've heard him say this too. That he said similar experiences where things weren't nearly as bad as what he remembered them to be. Yeah. So we'll see. I'll, I'll eventually make my way back around the Souls games like I always do, but we'll that see. I just have so many games ahead of me right now. Yeah, that's fair. That's I have fair. just so much, dude. I'm playing Witcher, and I just got Midnight Suns because that's on sale, so I figured I'd pick it up. I also said, screw it. I bought Devil May Cry 5 Special Edition again. Third time I buy this game. <laughs> but it was just because I have the disc version, the PS5 disc, but that game has ray tracing and really high high graphics. Yeah. And I don't like really graphically intensive games with a disc because they just I don't like the disc spinning and the system getting warmer than it should. So I just yeah. bought it digitally. I said screw it. Like I like Capcom. I like that team. I like that game. Like I'll buy it again. I'll give you a couple bucks again. Yeah. So I bought it again. Uh and I played it today. I fought Artemis. And nice. I killed that thing. That's a really good game, dude. But I fucking suck at it. Isn't it that that game is so that combat system is so intricate? And I'm playing all this other shit and all these simpler games like Witcher. And uh, man, it feels really crazy playing that game because the combat is so. It's just so intricate. There's just so many things you can do. But it, uh, it's a good game, so I'll definitely be playing that here and there. But I'm just, I'm playing a lot of games right now. <laughs> I'm playing so many games, man. I'm playing the fuck out of Witcher. I'm going to start Midnight Suns. Uh, Dead Space comes out later this month, the remake. Oh, that's, yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to wait on that uh, yeah. as well. But also Kakarot gets the PlayStation 5 update in like a week or two. Oh, shit, yeah. And I'm really interested, I'm really having a lot of fun with Kakarot. That game's really fucking great. And uh, they're even adding like more DLC to it. It's Pretty sweet. I'm having a fun time getting to go through the uh, the Dragon Ball Z story again because uh, I'm definitely not going to watch Dragon Ball Z again because it's just way too much. I never even finished it. I think I dropped off around the Cell Saga when I was a kid. Uh, but it's nice to be able to go through and kind of get a cliff notes of what happened. Uh, it's pretty neat. Mm. But yeah, man, other than that, I did go see that movie Megan today. Uh, the doll movie, the little like, oh yeah, I heard something about that. Okay. Yeah, I saw that. So I'll review that on the actual podcast. Spoilers. It was good. I liked it. Um, and then I do have another movie ticket for this coming Wednesday. I did buy a ticket for a one-time showing of Shin Ultraman, which I love Ultraman. Ultraman is kind of like a jet Jaguar kind of super Sentai Power Ranger Godzilla character from japan a lot of people either know him or they will know him when they see him 
And I guess there's a new movie, and it's they're only playing it once. They're playing it well. They're playing it twice. They're playing it once on Wednesday, Japanese language with subtitles, and then they're playing it once on Thursday with English dub. But I work on Thursday. I would rather see the dub, but um, I'll go fucking read the damn movie. We'll see though. I'm part of me wants to maybe not go see it because I'm thinking it won't be that good. Because every time I try to watch old, like, Ultraman or kind of, like, Toho Monster stuff, I think it's, like, the rose-tinted glasses that make me think I love this. And then I watch it, and I'm like, oh, I guess. Like, eh, it's all right. Like, they're kind of shitty movies. Like, the like those later-on Godzilla movies, like, Final Wars and shit, they're good when you're thinking about them. And then yeah. when you watch them, they're not very good movies. <laughs> they're not that good, man. It's like, yeah, dude, he's in a suit. You can totally tell that they're just in a suit on a set. And then you watch it and you're like, oh, I can totally tell that they're on a suit on a set. Like movies sometimes that are better to watch with friends or something like that and have more of an experience with, you yeah. know, I don't know, maybe. Yeah, it's, we'll see. Uh, yeah. But I am late to this. Uh I'm Jester954 from Nerds the Podcast. Make sure to go ahead and go to our link tree, Nerds the Podcast, that link tree. Also, make sure to watch us on Twitch, Nerds the Podcast. I stream on there almost every day. Whenever I don't, sometimes Aaron does. Like, I think he's going to stream tonight. Uh, So that should be fun. I'll be playing a lot of Witcher. I'll probably be, I'm hoping that I'm going to be playing a lot of Midnight Suns. I hope. Because the comic book aesthetic of it looks awesome. I just really hope that I can kind of get a cool relationship with the combat system. But we'll see. Uh, yep. And join our Discord. We have a Discord. Go to the link tree and join the Discord. Be our friend. Go buy merch. Go buy car- t-shirts with our cartoon faces on it. Uh, but yeah, man, we should probably get to it. We're here to go over a fuck ton of news that oh, yeah. we have piled up. So we've got about, I don't know. 20 stories here or so ish and uh beep 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 news uh new first news story that i got here the first two kind of go together but the first one is an old story we're backed up about two three weeks now uh but this first one is uh everybody kind of should know about the ftc ftp what is it ftc ftc lawsuit against xbox events microsoft for the the bethesda buyout is it the Bethesda buyout? No, the Activision Blizzard buyout. Activision, yeah, they yeah. already bought uh, Bethesda. So <laughs> basically, they're the FTC is suing Microsoft for this over, you know, just trying to stop a monopoly from growing and whatever. And the article that we got here is gamers are also suing Microsoft over Activision acquisition, Activision Blizzard acquisition. And uh, what we have here is it says, um, I'll just read this right here. Uh, It says, uh, thanks. Uh, This is from GameRant.com. It says, thanks to an antitrust act, regular citizens are also able to sue companies to prevent monopolies from forming. And 10 everyday Americans have teamed up to take advantage of this, referring to themselves as, quote unquote, video gamers. In this official complaint, uh, the team says this acquisition will give Microsoft an unrivaled position in the gaming industry. The group claims that after Microsoft's acquisition of Rare in 2002 and Minecraft publisher Mojang in 2014, an Activision Blizzard acquisition would give it an unfair advantage against all competition. So, 
before the FTC actual lawsuit stuff and whether or not it's a fair lawsuit acquisition, whatever, the people that are doing this. So the, I've looked at these fucking people as kind of like the type of people who are looking for a coat hanger to trip on at a, at a Sears so they can sue. They're just, they're trying to jump into this lawsuit just because they can. Uh, it's like, I would agree. Cause yeah, I guess you can, like, I'm pretty sure what they're hoping for is a payout. Like they're probably spending a lot of money, legal fees to, to sue Xbox. You can't do this. Like, and I don't know. Like if, if, if a lawyer sees merit into what they're saying too, I mean, it could be some kind of pro bono case if they think they can get something out of it too. Right. Where they'll, the lawyer will get a piece of that pie of a lawsuit. Right. Like I, I'm, I believe it would work like that. It doesn't always mean you're paying for lawyers. I mean, for stuff like that in, in, in lawsuits. I think you would have to find an attorney who is not busy with actual work. Who can risk putting those, in the time? One of those gamers is an attorney. That too. That's what I figured. What I figured was is, well, first off, I I doubt these guys. These are actual fucking gamers. These are probably just law students or people who think they know the law or attorneys who are like, hey, let's get in on this. Well, they're probably gamers too. I mean, they may not, yeah, they probably they could be sure. Yeah. Either way, um, I just yeah, I imagine they just kind of want to jump in here to see what they can do. I mean, I get it. I, I don't, I, I'm not going to sit here and like say that they're fucking horrible. I, th I mean, I think it's pretty stupid. Like what's it our place to sue, but I guess that's the law. Like you have the ability to do it. If you really do think it's that big of a fucking deal, I guess to go like into the actual deal, like people are upset picking sides on this whole deal. Like, I personally feel that micro like I feel that capitalism should be open and you should be able to do whatever the fuck you can do to make a dollar as long as you're not hurting people. So I really do feel like like if you can sell bubblegum in a lockjaw ward, like you should be able to do that. Uh if you can it's it's a little bit of a slippery slope because then by by this that the, I, I see what you're saying though is but I think this is the problem. So and this is what Microsoft's trying to frame the argument as from what I've been reading on this. A lot of people, especially gamers, are looking at this as Sony versus Xbox. Mm. And Xbox, I don't think Microsoft is looking at that anymore. I think Xbox and Microsoft themselves have given up the fight against Sony in a certain degree. Um, what I think they're actually doing is a bigger play in the mobile sphere. And they've even said this. Oh, yeah, of course. They've, they've directly said this because the real monopoly is between Apple and Google. Because other phones, like Windows has tried. There were Windows phones. And there is a Microsoft mm -hmm. app store that is a joke of an app store <laughs> in comparison to the Google app store and the Apple app store, yeah. right? So you have the Android one. I say Google. Android, Google is fucking same difference. And then the uh, Apple App Store. And they both are running this to where even Epic had that whole lawsuit with Apple about the percentages of how much they're taking for like the purchases and things like that. So like it is a big thing. So Microsoft sees our phones, in my opinion, as the the end all console 
because okay. that's what the cloud play is too, is putting a console in the cloud that can be updated. And even though it might not be something that really materializes in our lifetime due to our internet infrastructures and the way that the, the land is laid out in the, to that degree, it's going to build to that. It's going to be that inevitably. We will not have console wars. We will have app wars. That Pretty is much. the future. That is, that's what I believe. And getting this, getting Call of Duty, getting those things gives them a bigger foothold in a very aggressive marketplace, which is the, the app store stuff and everything. Yeah. And, the, and what's going to be the subscription service. Apple already has a subscription service model for their games. Google has a subscription service model for their games. It's even attached to your, depending on your cell phone provider, they typically, whatever uh, internet plan you have, like I have one that I have Google's streaming service, like gaming service for free is added into the bill that I have for the internet service that I pay for. Yeah. So I can fucking Google play all day with whatever games there. And so Microsoft is trying to find a way to do that. I, I actually don't think that they're trying to nudge Sony out of the marketplace. Cause I think originally what's interesting with Microsoft is it was all about Sony in the beginning. Clearly, indefinitely. I mean, there's a story about the, uh, I was reading this in this book I've been reading on some of the history of Xbox, Sony, and all this kind of shit. And Bill Gates was in a room with a lot of the guys he tasked with developing a console to get into the console gaming market. And there was a meeting on Valentine's Day that they call the Valentine's Day Massacre. If I'm remembering the story correctly, they even named it this. Because it was on that day. And it was supposed to be a short couple hour meeting that lasted almost the entire day till like six at night. And there was yelling, screaming, cursing at each other over how they were going to do the Xbox because it wasn't really coming to fruition the way they had originally pitched it. And then after all this yelling and screaming, one of the, and it's debatable who said this, but some guy just says, what about Sony? And Microsoft and Bill Gates is like, yeah, what about Sony? And they all look around like, what, what is Sony doing? And they're like, all right, let's do the Xbox like this. Okay, boom, pulled the trigger. And that started the Xbox going in the direction that it went. This yeah. is weird meeting that they had cut to now. They've struggled to beat Sony at this game. I mean, arguably 360 beat Sony in that generation. But that's Maybe. it. Xbox One flopped. Yeah. Uh, as far as like going up against the PlayStation 4, clearly. Uh, even the Switch came in at the end. I mean, yeah, Xbox beat Wii U and Xbox beat well, out. Wii U is a complete failure. And so, and GameCube <laughs> was too, to a certain degree. I mean, it's a respectable library of games and, and system. The GameCube, the yeah. But the Wii U, poor thing, is just. But no, but the GameCube also failed. Like it, it, it did not sell. The GameCube could not beat Xbox's sales, and Xbox barely had any sales in Japan. Yeah. Overall, Xbox beat out Nintendo. Well, yeah, that's also the PlayStation Two era, and PlayStation Two is like the best-selling console of all time, or some shit like that. It is. It is. So I mean, but like they, they haven't really been able to catch ground, and so there's there is this argument to be like, well. Maybe Microsoft, when they buy Call of Duty, they will push out Sony. And 
and and, they, and there's this whole perspective around Sony because that's kind of where it's even where the Xbox birthed at. Like I just got through explaining, but honestly, the shift is more towards cloud gaming and all that kind of stuff and subscription model games. Like that's all the bigger play. I mean, what would you rather me sell you a console every ten years or me be able to charge you a monthly fee? Every month for the console that you have. Well, see, I'm the wrong person to ask. Now, so, you and me, I, I would rather not have that. Yeah. So that's well, the whole thing with this whole thing of where everything's going and the whole fact that, like, yeah, it's obvious, like, Xbox and PlayStation are doing different things. Like, PlayStation is a video game company. Like, the actual PlayStation itself makes video games. Yeah. Xbox is more of a technology company looking to forefront the technologies and ultimately make money like yeah. playstation builds relationships with ip holders like look at uh spider-man for instance spider-man ps5 yeah. sony had a long-standing relationship with the ip holders had made dozens of games with them and eventually partnered up with them to make spider-man spider-man would not exist if it wasn't for playstation getting that game made. It is something that Sony has been constantly, again, like the book I've been reading, I told you about, um, the, the, the history of the gaming industry is Xbox, actually the original Xbox, the Microsoft had a problem where they were looking at games like EA games and stuff like that. And we're like, why does this shit not look as our system's more powerful than the PS2? Why does it look better on PS2 than Xbox? And they went to EA to the head of EA and asked like, Hey, what, what's going on with this? And they're like, we don't fucking know you. We don't have a relationship with you. We yeah. fuck with Sony. So we're building this for them, and you get the port out that we give you yeah. until we get to know you because, eh, fuck Bill Gates. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was kind well, of Well, the a issue is, though, is Xbox has the money, which is, which is all in good. Money is what you need in this kind of business to grow and stuff like that. But like, like what I was saying with, you know, Sony builds relationships with video game yeah. companies, and they themselves are a video game company that makes games. And not to say Xbox isn't a video game company, but if you look at more of their... It's more of a cloud it, PC well, software. Well, even before this cloud should happen, if you look at their like landmark titles, things like Halo and Gears, they went and found those games being made by companies and, and just bought those companies out. And then not, they're like... Not even that. Like, well, yeah, kind of, but I mean... Yeah, like Halo, much. Gears, like they bought those companies and were like, put an Xbox shirt on. You know what I mean? Because, yeah. like, the example with the Spider-Man thing is that Spider-Man game would have never existed if it weren't for Sony with building their relationship and all that shit and putting that game out. Gears was being made anyways. Yeah. And it would have just come out everywhere. Uh, which is, you know, yeah. neither here nor there. Like, in the end, they're out for different things. And I see how you said earlier, like, oh, they're not... They're, they're done, like, competing. It depends what you're competing for. If you're competing for... Sony's always going to be a competitor to Microsoft on some level, but that's not the end all. Like they're they're not they're trying to move past the console wars, in my opinion. And I think Sony seems to still be holding on to that to some degree, because that's their that's been their golden ticket. Like what's what's very fascinating about the history of Sony in that sense is that originally all the heads of Sony were actually against making the PlayStation. So what happened initially, you know, yeah, the Super Nintendo thing was, was actually a disk drive to be attached with Nintendo. 
And Nintendo embarrassed them in E3 by switching up partners and saying they were going with Philips instead. Mm-hmm. And it was embarrassing. The fucking Philips CDI. Yes. Excuse me, so, princess. So then the guy, I'm going to say his name wrong, but I think it's like Katarugi, Katarugi, the guy who created PlayStation, basically. The father of PlayStation, the original PlayStation. He, okay. he originally made the audio chip device for Nintendo. For the that that's what he did initially. I think Sony had a part in that, and, and the SNESMs, if I'm not mistaken, because they worked with Sony on that. And so with the 64, they thought they were going to get this disc drive thing worked up, and they got played. So then he went up to the head of Sony, and all the like other board members or people in charge were like, "No, we don't want to do that." And the one guy who could pull the trigger, who the top guy, was like, "Fuck Nintendo, let's do it," and he gave him the green light. Because it's funny because later on, PlayStation was a success. Mm-hmm. It did great. And like, and um, the bo- other board members would be like, oh, yeah, we were behind PlayStation, behind this idea. You know, like, we definitely supported it. And he would be like, nah, son. No, nah, they, they didn't, nah they, they, they didn't support it. And they were getting mad. Like, and it was, it was highly disrespectful because it was common for your superiors to take credit for shit even if they weren't behind it. Yeah. He wasn't playing that shit. He was like, nah, son, you weren't behind that shit. And they were like, <laughs> fuck you. But they, they couldn't do anything about it because Sony's gaming sphere saved them through the 2000s when they were the top dogs with a lot of their audio and, uh, and TVs and, and all that kind of shit. Yeah. And Samsung and stuff and iPhone and stuff all kind of took the wind out under them. So the story, the reason I bring that up is part of what we're talking about here is that the gaming sphere for Sony has been the biggest component to keep that company flush. Yeah, actually making quality video games. Yes. So, of course, Sony is definitely going to take up arms about Microsoft buying one of the biggest companies that has one of the biggest titles even on their device. And so in some rights, they have some merit in this to throw this up as a red flag. I can understand their point and it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Apparently the FTC seems to feel like there is merit in this as well. So we'll, we'll see. But can, so no if Microsoft would actually pull Call of Duty out. Yeah, I, well they also did some weird thing. Well this actually kind of like leads into the second news article, but before that Xbox also kind of did something super weird, which is they're trying to do this deal. They're like, oh, Sony, why won't you work with us on this deal? We'll give you 10 years. And then eventually, I believe they even offered, fuck it, you can put it on your PlayStation Plus thing. Like, you too can have it. Which is, it's if, that's, if you're doing that, then what's the point of all this? I mean, the point is obvious. The point is control. Because ultimately... What's the point of it for Microsoft? Yeah, it's control. And the, and well, the, the end game is for Game Pass to be everywhere. Yes, yes. That is and the point. Let's break into the mobile marketplace. Yeah. I think it's so, a big point because that's become a bigger destination for gaming than, than console gaming and well, PC. Yeah. And that's where it's going. So basically... It went, though. Like <laughs> you say it's going, but that's just because it's us. If you look at the numbers and the data that the ESA puts together on like games and where and where most people are playing games, the fact that it's just this it's the same reason why the Wii sold so many units. 
it was one of the biggest sellers at that time because it was a casual game system. That's how they pivoted it with this unique little gimmicky move your hands around with the controllers. Yeah. And then it got like moms and like other guys who were just sports stuff. Yeah. Smack the thing, hit the golf thing. And like they, they, they got the Wii. They, they jumped on the Wii and the mobile phone is that it's the casual gamer like sphere. Everybody, I, I have three kids and my wife and they're, all mobile gamers. All of them are mobile gamers. Fucking posers. And my, and my wife and my daughters will rarely, if ever, touch the console. Only my son and me play console games, and then my son is infected with that virus and plays mobile games. <laughs> <laughs> well, but yeah, I, look, it's it that. But this generation, this new generation that lives on their phone. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is where it's going. Is the end game is for everything to be an app and everything like that. If Microsoft so, wants to play there because correct. they see where that's going. I don't think it's just about controlling what Sony has. I think it's a Oh part no, of- I yeah, when I cement control, I don't mean controlling Sony at all. I mean controlling the market. Mm-hmm. Like con- the the reason why you want to own Call of Duty is because the they they still redact the numbers and they still won't tell us the exact numbers. But Call of Duty is the biggest entertainment anything in the existence of the entire history of our planet. Like nothing has ever made more money than Call of Duty. It save for like Mario and Pokemon. And even still, I call funny business on that. But Call of Duty is the biggest video game series, anything, no matter what, going on period. Call of Duty alone is worth is responsible for more kind of money incoming than any other games or any series on any console. And on top of that, I think like 60% of Call of Duty players play on PlayStation. Yeah. Yeah. And also like, just talk about the numbers that we, I remember we sent to the article when we were talking about it, that in a weekend, the opening weekend for modern warfare two that just came out. Oh Yeah. million. Yeah. It eclipsed what like the opening week of fucking in game did. I think in game did like 500 or something. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just the week. And that doesn't even count like microtransactions mm -hmm. and DLC, whatever. And all that. It's not even counting the the extra purchases. Well, and also like what was the biggest thing this entire year? It's fucking Elden Ring, right? Biggest fucking game of the year, whatever. Yeah, even X- numbers Xbox, wise. Yeah, it was Elden Ring was the biggest thing this year. Call of Duty comes out and crushes it in two weeks. Now that's a good thing. Sure. I'm not saying boohoo. Look, I've never been part of that gaming market. I've never been part of the mass market. I've never been a the, the biggest markets are basically Madden, 2K, and Call of Duty. Those are the biggest things. And FIFA. Sports and Pew Pew. And I'm not part of those markets. So I don't care. You can take those games. I won't mind. I've got my Street Fighter. I've got my Final Fantasies. I'm good. Uh, It doesn't really bother me. But it's obvious why Xbox wants to buy those. Now, Now, personally, I think they should be allowed to. Even if it's going to fuck up the company that I like, technically, I think they should be allowed to. I think you should be allowed to buy something if somebody wants to sell it. Obviously, that's why financial analysts and these people exist to stop things like monopolies because people like me don't understand how the business works and they want a quote-unquote healthy marketplace so that there can be competition and balance and stuff like that 
So I can I I can kind of see from afar faintly why they wouldn't want Microsoft just using their mass amount of money to just buy everything. Yeah. Because uh, it kind of goes into like with that Megan movie I saw today. They were talking about selling this crazy doll and how it'll be the most, you know, it's a very expensive thing. But when the lady convinces her boss to go along with it, he's like, all right, now we have to talk to the board members and we'll have to tell them that we won't see profits for three years. But then after that, yeah. it's kind of the same shit. Xbox knows they are not going to be making any money for, they probably haven't been and they probably won't be. For a while. They won't release financial information on what Game Pass really does financially. Like, yeah, they can pay people, but is the service making money? That's not the goal right now. They're they can, also they can take the hit financially because the goal right now is to put the Game Pass in everyone's hands so that when time comes in the future, you know, it's like putting $30 in today to make 300 next month. Like, they're putting in the work now and... and spending all the money to accrue the entire team of all the games and the developers and everything to have everything so that in the future they have everything right yeah i mean that's that seems to be a bit of the play there's already rumors though of some price hikes to game pass and then there are also rumors that it'll probably morph game pass to involve advertisements and stuff like that yeah they'll have cheaper tiers that you can get advertisements for or more expensive tiers where you don't get any of the ads and stuff like that, kind of like how Netflix is doing, but it's really all speculation right now. Yeah. I mean, that was another article that we we're going to get into. Um, uh, I think that's, I find that prices being raised is normal, but we'll, let's get to that one in a little bit. Still on this. Um, this yeah. The second article was, was going into uh, basically that it's all but confirmed that, Elder Scrolls 6 is going to be an Xbox exclusive, right? Big surprise. Now, the FTC thing, a lot of people were thinking, oh, the FTC lawsuit must be about how big Call of Duty is and then the, the the Bejeweled or whatever the fuck that shit's called, Candy Crush and all this shit. Yeah, it's one of some of the biggest but mobile games. Yeah. What, it, what turned out to be one of the FTC's gripes, if you read the right, like the report that they set out, was they cited back to Xbox's Bethesda deal, I believe it was. Yeah, where they said where, they were going to share. Yeah, stuff. where they said, um, "Oh, why would we make, why would we make these games uh, exclusive? We would. Why would we lose the money and do that? We wouldn't do that. We totally wouldn't do that." And then what did they do? They deal went through, and then they started making shit exclusive. Which, once again, I think you should totally be able to do. I think that as a company, especially as an, a video game company, software company, hardware company, you should want to have exclusives on your console to drive people to want to play on your console. Like I'm, I'm, I don't want every console to have every game on it because I think it helps give every console its own identity. Yeah. Nintendo was Mario, Sega was Sonic, TurboGrafx 16 was Bonk. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like. You have your identity, and I get it. But the fact that they kind of were like, no, no, we wouldn't do that. Why would we do that? We would lose so much money. It's not about the money. When you're a company that, that's that big, you can yeah. afford to take the hit. It's not about the money. Like, the amount of money that Xbox makes Microsoft is a fraction of their lunch budget. Microsoft makes fucking computers and Windows, for Christ's sakes. Like, their money comes from way bigger sources so 
I think that's what they're looking at. You know, it's like, why, like, like, I'm thinking, why would you even bother saying like, well, we won't do that. We won't like they lied to the European commission or whatever about like, no, we don't want to make games exclusive. We don't want to. And then the deal goes through and they're like, ah, but you didn't make us sign that on a paper. So we're going to make a couple of these exclusive. Well, what like, Do you know what the actual quote? So like, I would say first, I know they talked about not making some of the more recent things in honoring contracts or deals of games. Yeah. Like keeping peace, anything that's already out time coming yeah. out on both systems. But I think it was always kind of understood. I don't think they said they were going to keep it ex- a non-exclusive for the entirety of it. And like, to be fair, I mean, I, I'm on Microsoft side with this in the sense that like, if you, again, if you look back at their history, they've always struggled with exclusives. They've struggled with exclusives. Yeah. And Sony constantly edged them out through the years. They edged them out. With I mean, it's like, not even edging them out. Sony just crushes when it comes to With PlayStation games. 2, there were so many exclusives from so yeah. many third-party companies that they would buy like the rights to have and keep Xbox out that they struggled selling units. And Halo was really the saving grace for Xbox, we we would not have Xbox probably still around today if it wasn't for Halo. Yeah. And timing of Halo. Not just Halo. Let me put it this way. Not just Halo, but also the uh, the smart idea that Bill Gates had to put the Ethernet cord in the back, Ethernet receptor in oh, the back. Yeah. So you didn't have to buy Xbox. a whole other fucking adapter. Yes, you don't have adapter. to buy an adapter. And they built Xbox Live and released Halo 2, which I believe – uh, they started doing some of that with the original Xbox and then 360, of course, room, um, and built into Xbox live and online gaming. And, uh, you know, Microsoft is definitely responsible for the online gaming that we have today. Oh, for sure. Definitely have to look at them because the other companies, these Japanese companies were fairly resistant to that. So, um, you know, it's, they, they've struggled with exclusives to help sell their consoles. So the fact that they have a company like Bethesda and have these games, first of all, there's not many games that Bethesda has that are like console sellers. They're great games. Um, I, mean, I don't know. I mean, I think something like an Elder Scrolls Six and a Starfield. I, I said many, but are, not all. You're but right. those are big. And that's like, I think that's but good. That's a fair. That's a fair big. Yeah, that's, that's, that's I, I think, yeah, I think that's fair. And I kind of like, like, I've never played. I mean, I've I've played some of Skyrim. I don't like. I've purchased a couple Elder Scrolls games. I've bought all of the Fallout's, but I've never really played them. I think yeah, I played okay. a couple hours of Fallout Three. I have four. I haven't launched it. Um, but like, those are pretty big fucking games <laughs> to a yeah. certain type of people. You know, to it, certain it types are, of gamers. And it'll it'll move consoles. But I'm talking sure. about like across the the spec like it's not going to move con like like you said i think elder scrolls and stuff might move consoles like halo did right potentially Mm, maybe halo was it was a different time true it's a different time so it's it's hard to say but i i don't know if like but like i don't know if um they have something like mario that that is the face of that it moves consoles no they don't have anything like that right now i mean yeah and i mean i can see starfield being something really big and Elder Scrolls being big and like and by all means I want them to have that I want I want there to be something on a console that I don't have that I want to look forward to yeah and I mean the Call of Duty thing is it's it's a little bit different it's a little bit like that's a 
clear I can't I can't even say this this clear third party game like so was kind of Elder Scrolls I mean wasn't Morrowind only on Xbox or some shit like that and I, I could have sworn I played that one though yeah, that one that, had uh, the portals and demons or something no I played Oblivion played some of Oblivion uh but I can I can see it with the Bethesda games and stuff like that I think that's all yeah. good and well and fine I'm not salty about that at all I think it should be like that. The Call of Duty thing I don't get because in my mind I think they should be allowed to do it. I see the I see the possible I kind of am able to comprehend the 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 ramifications of why that shouldn't go down because of what it could do to the rest of the industry itself, but I feel like my dumb lizard brain thinks, "Hey man, isn't that the point? Isn't the point?" of business to destroy your competition and become the one on the top. Well, it, it may not, it may not be what I like. I may not be into it. I'm not into the Xbox ecosystem and the whole like, Hey, look at how much money we have. We can do whatever. Like, that's not really what I'm into. Like even the whole like, Oh, but look at game pass, how great it is. I, I'm, but I'm an odd man out. I don't like that model. I don't even like it on the PlayStation shit. I don't like this whole, you have 500 games to pick from. Because I personally feel like you're devaluing the video games by by doing that. When you give somebody... I've done it. I've, I've, had, I've had the experience with like small children where like I show a kid like an emulator. Like I showed a, the, the, an ex-girlfriend of mine had kids and I showed her son uh, my Dreamcast and I had an, a disc on it with like every NES game. And when he realized that he could like hold a button and hit start and go back to the menu and to pick a game, he wouldn't stick on any one game after he died once. Like, it was overkill. And since he knew he had so many games at his disposal, he grew no attachment to any of them. Yeah, but that already kind of happens with how many games we get and then all the price reductions we get. And it kind of bleeds into the conversation we'll probably have next on the price of games. But um, it's because but the, the problem with I, I hear your point and I, I actually agree with you. It does devalue games what values the fuck out uh, of games dude when you say hey everyone this month we've added every single yakuza game yeah what those are yeah. like 80 hour games that should be respected and also this is the this is the thing though yes and it is respected by those who care enough to pay the 60 i mean it's or the it's, 20 this, on sale but this is the problem though man this is what you gotta kind of i from in my opinion i think you gotta step back and kind of give some way to this there are is is it the pricing model that's destroying the value of games or is it the amount of games that are made now with all the access and ability that people have to make games because back in the day it wasn't that you didn't have people making games left and right indie studios popping up left yeah. and right filling the marketplace with so much yeah there are days there are weeks where dozens of games come out and there yes. are months where like 78 112 games came out this month and then there's times like right now like right now the last week th this first couple weeks of january is barren nothing is coming out like it's crazy like if you go to game facts and you look at like games that are launching it's like an indie game every few days if that yeah. like right now but then it's about to be it's about to be game time in a few weeks 
once next month starts, games are about to start. Really big games are about to start dropping. And this year is going to be really wild for video games. Well, this is the thing. For game developers, I've listened to a lot of interviews. And I know you have too. Of course, the number one thing mm. you want is money enough to, to live a comfortable life, right? For sure, right? That's why you charge money for it, correct? Yeah, you got to survive. The, what, what's the second most thing, though, that people want? Titties? That, they just want people to play their games. They've worked so hard on a game, they want you to play it. Yeah. And the only way in this competitive-ass marketplace with so many games around is sometimes to throw that fucking game on Game Pass so that people who don't have a lot of disposable income, but yeah. some, can finally get the chance to be, you know what? Because how many games have you tried and played just because it came up on PlayStation Plus? Plenty. Yeah, I would say that. That, that that's, that's the point. Not and so, so much anymore, much but in the past, yeah. So my argument to you is I don't know how much those passes, Game Pass, PlayStation Plus devalue the games as much as this this sheer amount of games that are made and put on the marketplace. And that has devalued games because there is no like line of quality to be like this game could be sold here or this game can't. And so you just get kind of especially on PC, you get a slew of just well, you just get trouble where you get trash. So I mean, and I think that's what's the real, I guess, issue to your concern about the devaluation of like the experience of games and, and the value of that. Yeah, well, you kind of have to play in these waters of Game Pass and things like that, so you can have somebody at least play your game, and then that gives the ability of them to potentially buy your next game, hopefully at full dollar value or whatever. Yeah. So well, that you know, you well, can. I'm a I'm a dinosaur, so I can't really you can't really take my perspective into a point of view very much because I I look at it it's super like old old school way, like I like the way the video game market used to be run, and I don't like where it's going. I like uh, like uh, Colin on Sacred Symbol said it a good way where the the video game market has been running itself in a very specific way for what 50 years now or some shit which is uh companies taking huge risks on ips being developed and then making their money back by selling video games mm -hmm. so companies would have to actually work on these games make them well put them out and then hope to sell them and now with this fucking streaming market that's no longer what's happening now what's happening is is companies are advertising IPs that they're going to release, dropping you a glorified beta, and then you kind of playtesting it for them. Look what it just happened to two examples. Halo Infinite, which even though it did well, was a fucking failure. Even though it did well, Halo Infinite completely flopped. No buzz, no one talks about it, you see no fucking memes about it you see tons of stuff about the call of duty shit but halo as cool as it was when it came out they had to push the game out because of investors and shit and had to put it out in a certain time they put the game out what are people saying it's bare bones there's not enough fucking game what the fuck and then what do they do however fucking long it took eight nine months a year however long it was they finally put out that community creation thing and everyone's like oh look how fucking awesome people can 
go in and make stages and make games and finally the game has this component to make it really awesome but they missed the mark if they would have just waited perfected their game not even perfected the game but put more work into the game said you know what we have a pretty decent game here we have a campaign we have some online deathmatch stuff and there's not a lot of it but we should probably not drop this yet. Let's get this community creation suite thing really going so that once we release this game that is already kind of, not bare bones, but kind of bare bones, at least the community will have tools to make games on their own and the community themselves will drive this game forward and make it even better. But no, they had to rush the game out because it had to be a Game Pass exclusive and be free. Look, everybody, it's free. And they have to rush the game out and yes, now you can go play it and it's got a cool uh, community creation suite and I'm sure that there's people making awesome stuff on it, but it's it's kind of like the cyberpunk thing where sure you've made you've you've kind of cleaned up your act since your shitty launch, but it will never be what it could have been if you would have just dropped your game right from the start. The other game I was going to say is Sonic Frontiers. Sonic oh. Frontiers comes out Sells a good amount of copies, does the best sales in Sonic history for a long since like 06 or some shit like that. And uh, the game is fucked up, but people are okay, just like the new Pokemon game. People are totally fine with it because we're so used to getting fucking barely working games that are buggy as shit and they're basically being beta tested by the people who are the people who are trusting them the most. The people who are giving you the $70 immediately, the $60 immediately on day one, you're giving them the trash version of the game for them to beta test your fucking game. Then what does Sega come out and say? Oh, we're taking uh, people people's feedback into consideration and we'll be, we'll be uh, implementing it to fix the game and, you know, we know it could have been better, so we're going to make it better. They're admitting, basically, we gave you a lackluster product and using your data that you're giving us, We'll fix it for you at a later time. That's what fucking blows about this new market of, hey, everybody, it's on such and such streaming service. It's on Game Pass. It's on Epic Store. It's free when it comes out. Well, now the development team has to rush that game out by a due date, and we're going to get it broken as fuck. It's going to take a while for it to come out right. And even though the games eventually do get fixed, it still kind of fucking blows, man. It blows that... When a game comes out, you can't trust that it's going to be any good unless you're getting it from a reputable ass company who's going to make you their games well, like a FromSoft or a fucking Sony. Like when they put out something like God of War or something or even fucking Horizon for as annoying as a lot of that game is, those games come out and they're pretty damn close to what they're going to be a year from then. Other games come out and you look at them on day one and a year later, I love Assassin's Creed. Look at those games on day one and look at them a year later and they're almost completely different. They feel different because they've actually been realized to what they should be instead of just giving us what we should be getting when they give it to us. Um, Was Sonic Frontiers on Game Pass day one? No, I wasn't saying that as a Game Pass example. I was so, saying just but, the, the, well, I'm just saying, saying like that, the, that they're rushing these games out because of things like Game Pass and like and you use Sonic Frontiers as an example. That's why oh, I was okay. No, no, I mean I'm but all over the place example, because that is an example, but also just in general, people people just rush your games out. Is a different. It's a problem. 
but it's a different problem than the Game Pass model and stuff like that, which I don't even know if that's a problem. Like, the Game Pass model, I think, opens up people for more games, sure. But I also think it, like to your point, it devalues the game experience of, well, there's just another game to play and another game to play and another game to play. Instead of, like, old school, we would only get, like, one game. Yeah. If it was mediocre, we played the shit out of it multiple times because you never know when you went and got another game. You know what I mean? So that and that's a different issue. What you're talking about, though, is the uh, it is part of the growing industry of games. More people wanting to put more hands in the pot and invest money and push products out, but then want to meet it by deadlines. And it's always the problem between creatives and businessmen. You need both together. But the problem is they don't really work well together because on the business side of things, there's deadlines, timetables, cost, and all this stuff. And on the mm. creative side, there's a vision, ideas, things that are hard to measure or they're not very tangible. Yeah. They're things that just kind of happen all of a sudden by happenstance. And you get this great idea in the middle. You build a game halfway through, and then in the middle of it, you realize you should scrap it and restart something because this would be way better. And it's yeah, hard to kind of manage those two things together. So, and that's what you're talking about, too. And I think they're both problems. I think they're both potential problems, but they're both separate problems because you are right. Well, there is too often that we get a game out that we have to beta test. They want us to give feedback about it. Then they shove it out. And, and sometimes we don't even get the full game to other DLC shit pops out later to add to our price tag of the full game purchase. Yeah. And then it's buggy as shit and they need to fix it. And so the people who pay for it first. So you're, you're absolutely right. Well, yeah, it's, it's frustrating because I'm an early adopter of games. I yeah. like buying a game day one full price because it makes me I, I don't like the feeling of like, oh, sweet. Street Fighter six is going to be free on PlayStation. I would still pay for it. I, I know that, that that puts me in a weird thing and uh, maybe I'm being high and mighty like, oh, look at me. I'm above you. No, it's just it just feels better to I feel more connected to the game almost like it's like an example that I've given a million times to where like when I was younger and I was like selling mixtapes when I was a fucking rapper and I had like a backpack full of CDs and I would go to the shopping mall to sell like my fucking album. If I saw a pretty girl and was like, oh, I'm just going to give that girl my CD because I'm going to, you know, if you give somebody that something like that, they're not going to fucking listen to it. They have no tie to it. But if they give you at least a dollar for that shit, they are going to at least listen to at least one song because they want to know what the fuck they paid for. And to be fair with Game Pass, you are at least giving them a dollar for that shit. Well, yeah, you're paying for the service. Of course. Yeah, you have to pay for your same thing with the PlayStation shit. Obviously, you have to pay... For the, you know, you're paying the, luckily, I mean, it's not put into the, like the gold thing. You can buy PlayStation plus or gold for the internet access without the streaming services or whatever. But you know, those are just like upgrades to the service. But, um, I don't know. I guess I'm just, I'm an, I'm a fucking dinosaur. So I just feel, I feel like people would be giving more effort into their games if they were playing, paying for them, like outright. Mm-hmm. But then again, then not. I'm, I'm I'm sure there's plenty of people who 
you know, play a lot of games that they get on their services. I would just feel weird. I would feel strange if a major one of my games was like free on a streaming service. I would and I say, played it that way. I would ask you this. How many games have you paid full price for and um, completed all the way through? Of all the games that you pay full price oh, that's for, weird for me, dog. I buy games like multiple. I buy multiple games a week. Well, I mean, that's that's the point I'm making though, because I, I I don't buy them as much as you do, but I have games I paid full price for, and then I'm still playing Dark Souls three right now when I've got Final Fantasy Crisis Core sitting yeah. on my shelf here. Same. And I have a few other games that I've gotten that I want to get back to and pay, play. I've paid full price for, and um, have it completed. And I think. I think even the full price tag, it, it with today's market and the way it is and how much is out there, I, I don't know if even the price tag is something that brings the value to like wanting to play it more because you spent so much money. There's a level of it that, yeah. But I mean, like most games that people get, they or play or install or whatever, you can look at the trophies list. How many people got the in-game trophy? It is such a small percentage. Some yeah. games, it's like less than 40%, 30%, 20%, even less than that. So, you know, with all the sales and dollars that Elden Ring had brought in, was the percentage of the game Oh, Elden Ring's different. Elden Ring is a weird anomaly. Elden oh, Ring... God of War, for that matter, too. El Elden Ring has something like a 5% platinum ratio. Well, I'm not talking is, about the platinum. No, no, but, but, I, but what I'm saying is... It is unheard of of a game of a game of that size to have that many platinums. Like that is like more people have have played through all of Elden Ring. Like it is very that's a very strange statistic that so many people went in so hard on a game that big because most of the time people don't. Yeah. Like I think there's something like if you look at like Dark Souls you get a trophy for dying. And um, there's like 8% of people who don't have that trophy. Mm. So that means that there's like 8% of people who either are that good at the game or didn't even get far enough to start it. <laughs> yeah, no, right. Uh, it's true. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it, it's a big fucking mess. In, in the end, what the whole thing is, is like, we'll see what the FTC decides on the whole Call of Duty thing. I personally don't care. I don't care about the games. Like, I think it's cool. I'm excited for people to have things to be excited about. But I I don't play Call of Duty. I don't play Bethesda games. I, I, I will buy Bethesda games and they will sit there. <laughs> like, I, I just, I'll start them and I won't even, I mean, I, I will try. I still got to try Fallout 4. It's there. Uh, we'll see. But, um, but I don't know. We'll see how all of that goes. Um, yeah. but yeah, let's keep it moving. We've uh, been a little bit on that for a while. Um, I know we have another article that kind of ties into more exclusives and stuff, but whatever, we'll just go down the line. Uh, what we did get is a reveal of the PlayStation five accessibility controller. Okay. Which looks cool. If you look it up, it's a, it's like a disc. Okay. I don't have much to say about this thing. Okay, it's cool. They made an uh, an accessibility controller that can be used with people with disabilities and stuff like that. Awesome. But look here, man. I look at this thing, and it just looks like it's going to be even harder to play with. 
It's look. It looks like a like a Simon. Remember that thing? It it does. I actually, yeah. It's like a circle with buttons around it. And I'm and just like, I, this is supposed to be, like, what are you like? Well, first off, you already know that people are just going to use that thing to do no hit runs with Dark Souls. Well, some of it is, but I mean, also there there's people with disabilities and stuff that I think sometimes we overlook as we just you know. You, you don't know. You don't. I'm have obviously being silly. It's a obviously it's a disability controller. It's it's got you can completely adjust yeah, whatever okay. buttons. I'm being silly about it, but when I look at it, it just looks like what the fuck. <laughs> like I don't. Uh, I, I Xbox One looked look really strange too because Xbox came with a controller as well that was like lauded for its accessibility and it looked like a large pad. Mm-hmm. Uh, with like two like touchpad things. Yeah, it, it was, was like a touchpad thing. Yeah, I, I don't exactly remember the exact details of it. I just remember looking at it being like, which is, you know, which is interesting you bring that up because when you look at the Xbox one and the Sony one, they're actually very different from each other. But they're both supposed to be built towards accessibility to handicapped gamers. And it's like, how did the developers come to these very different conclusions yeah, like what disabilities are they are they kind of maybe aiming towards? Yeah, because the Sony one is weird. It's like a saucer with the buttons around it in a circle, and then a joystick. Mm-hmm. It's so fucking weird. So I mean, I guess, I mean, I guess I'm imagining it's for people with severe physical disabilities that can't really hold on to controllers, obviously. Um, but we'll see. I mean, I, I'd like to see it like in use i guess but uh hey man if it can help bring people to game that couldn't before i mean if you really think about it if you don't have full dexterity or full dexterous movement of your hands a controller is a pretty intimidating thing to use i mean you get into an accident you lose two fingers and you have a hard time you know with a controller or god forbid you don't have thumbs you're fucked um but we'll see It, it, it looks pretty neat um Another one up on the news here, which is a pretty nice thing to hear, is uh, according to Jim Ryan, the PlayStation 5 shortage is now over. I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah. We, I, I have gone, my job, I go around to a lot of like retail stores, Targets, Walmarts, stuff like that. I have been seeing PlayStation 5s around. Same discless, here, dude. Yeah. Discless, though. I haven't Oof. seen too many of the discs. I saw a disc one. I saw a full one a couple oh, of months I ago. Also I seen, didn't buy it. I should have bought it. I also seen GameStop. I'm pretty sure these GameStop employees were lying because they were saying how somebody was in there. I was watching somebody in there in the GameStop, and they were looking at the PlayStation 5, and they were like, they don't have the disc or something like that. I think it was because they didn't have the disc. Mm. And they were like, uh, I think Walmart or something got some. We'll go over there. And they're like, oh, okay, well, just just, just so you know, though, like we've been hearing, you know, we've had people come in here and say that, you know, they've been getting upcharged for those those PlayStation 5s they've been buying from like Walmart and stuff where they've been charging like an extra hundred bucks to get the wall. I'm like, how the fuck does Walmart charge somebody extra money? It's no. you stand it at the register. Yeah, they it's an MSRP. just that shit there. Yeah, that's... And they're straight up lying to these people about it. So GameStop, I don't know what they're telling their employees to do, but it's definitely some fucking fuck shit. Yeah, I definitely... Ugh, fuck GameStop, dude. 
<laughs> I still use them for certain things. I will say I, I used them last night and I do use them. I will use them for this. I've said it before, but I'll say it again. This is a cheat code that I definitely recommend to use for your controllers. Video game controllers are so expensive nowadays. Buy your new controller. Let's let's just take the PS5 DualSense as an example. You, you need a DualSense controller. If you have a PS5 and you have the, deal, the DualSense that came with your PS5, <clears throat> um, get rid of that. That's the old one. You want the newer one. It, newer one's got some better pieces in it, stronger triggers, whatever. You want any of the colored models. You just don't want the white one. Uh, what you do is you go to GameStop and you buy a new controller. And then you pay the $15 for the replacement plan. And what that does is anytime within a year, you can just take your controller back in and they just give, they take your old one and they give you a brand new one in a box. So I, and some people don't mind this. Some people like to have their same controller for years. Bitch, I change my controller maybe every six to eight months. I, I, I play every day. My controllers get a couple hours of playtime every single day. Maybe every few weeks I'll drop it, you know? So I like to have a crispy brand new controller every couple of months. And all it costs me is 15 bucks. So instead of paying $80, because the controller is $75 now before tax. Yeah. So instead of paying $80 for a new controller, every six months I, I spend $15. I, I, I go in, I give them my old controller. They give me a brand new one. And then I say, I want to buy the warranty on this. And it's $14.99. And then boom, I have another year's worth of warranty on my controller. So I definitely do that to them because fuck them also the cool thing is is i originally had a first model ps controller and then when i went in to trade in my warranty the new model of controller had come out so they just gave me the new model of the controller so i do that to use them and then also this gamestop has gotten so desperate but you know they're like little gamestop power pro shit that they do they do where like if you buy used games you get an extra 10% off and if you trade games in you get an extra 10% trade credit. Well what they do nowadays is they also give you a $5 credit every month. So it's $15 for the year but they give you a $5 credit every month. So at the beginning of every month I go and buy a $10 PlayStation card and it costs me $5. So they give me $5 of PlayStation money every month. That's that's not bad. I would say, though, that uh, Best Buy does the same thing. Yeah. Not, not with the $5 thing, but with their, their warranties. The warranties, yeah, definitely. They give you two years, and you can just turn it back in. In fact, I've bounced around headphones so many times doing that. For I sure. I will buy headsets, get the two-year protection. New headsets come out. Eh, something's wrong with these. All right, you want to get new ones? Yeah, I want the uh, just give me the store credit for it, and I'm gonna go get something. And they'll just give you store credit hmm. for your headphones with the the price you paid for them on your receipt, and <clears throat> you could just go get a new pair. Yeah. So yeah, learn learn the policies at your retail stores and use them to your advantage. Because even though GameStop fucking sucks, uh, and it's like, oh, but you're still giving them money. Not really, because I may be giving them. $20 a year, they're giving me like $50 a year or some shit. Like I make my money back on them immediately when I fuck with them. 
Uh, but basically what Jim Ryan did say was, in a nutshell, he said, everyone who wants a PlayStation 5 should have a much easier time finding one at retailers globally, starting from this point forward. So as Seth and I have seen, I have been seeing them in the wild. You do see them. So that is, it is nice to know that they're going to start showing up. Uh, so we'll see. I mean, even if it is a digital version, I'm not really into it. But I think the next time I see a disc version, I, I may not. I, I want to have a backup, but I don't think I really need one. I trust this one's going to work. They're probably pushing to like uh, put more production on the digital, like the digital ones, and less on the know. disc. You know what they're doing is the next model is going to be yeah, all digital, all discless, and then the disc drive is going to be an attachment. That makes sense. So instead of having two separate console SKUs, there's going to be one major SKU for the console. And then there'll be an, an, an like an add-on piece that you can clip on or whatever that's going to have the disk drive with it. So that way they don't have to juggle two SKUs. It'll be one major SKU and then an accessory. Yeah. Uh, Alrighty, what do we got here? Um, so another interesting one talking about exclusivity. Square Enix commits to business consolidation in 2023 as Sony buyout rumors start again. In a nutshell, basically, the rumors are starting again. People are thinking, people have been saying this, people are thinking that Sony's going to buy Square. No news on whether it's going to happen or not, but it's just a thing that could happen. I mean, Sony has a very close relationship with Square. They've been working with them for many, many years. It wouldn't be a surprise if Square chose to go with Sony. And to partner with them. And I mean, they have a huge relationship together. Look at seven and 10 and 12, you know, like Sony and square kind of fuck with each other. I think the other part of that, is it in that story? Is it another story about the NFT? Oh God. See, I think there's like two other square stories. There's this one about the, the, so there's a possibility that Sony buys out, buys square. Uh, I'm all for it. I'm a Sony person. So this is a deal that would matter to me. I I would be happy about this deal. Not because others don't get to play the games, but because I can be sure that I will be able to play these games. Because I want to play Final Fantasy games. I love Final Fantasy games. I think they're great. Especially the the later generations. I, I, I'm old, but I'm not an old like Final Fantasy V, Final Fantasy VI person. I, I'm not. I started at 7. I loved 10. 12 is pretty awesome. Never beat it. But uh, these la- the, these later games, I love them. I love 15. I think I'm probably going to love 16. Not sure if I'm going to love it as much as 15. I'm sure that 16 is going to be a better game, but I really, really liked the characters in 15, even though the story was kind of stupid. I really liked the, the brothers. Mm-hmm. But uh, they're not brothers, but the, the dudes. Um, but we'll see. So I'm interested to see what happens. I mean, it's Square already kind of does work with Sony it, with a lot of timed exclusives and shit. I mean, did Final Fantasy VII Remake even come out on Xbox? No, right? I don't know if it, it was I supposed it to. It was timed, but they put it out on PC, I believe, right? Yeah, it is on PC yeah. now. I don't know if it made it to Xbox. So, I yet. mean, it just makes sense, I guess. I mean, it's we've been we've been rocking with Square it makes, forever. It makes sense, but uh, the reason why I brought up the NFT thing, not to, to switch the subject off of it, but 
if the NFT thing's becoming a bigger, bigger thing with some of these gaming companies, and Square Enix has kind of said they're doubling down on the the pursuit of NFT games. Yeah, that was a little down the, the duck here. Um, yeah, but the reason why I bring that up now is because I don't know if they would want to be bought out by Sony if Sony, if it clashes with their vision of the future in games. And if Square Enix's vision of the future of games is NFT games. Because I did some research on NFT games because I wasn't aware. There are some that are out there right now. Yeah. And um, we'll get into it when we get into the NFT article. I, I'm not really wanting to detract, but my thing is, though, that I don't know how much has Sony delved into the NFT market for their games. No, so I don't think there's like, anything yet. And if Sony were to buy it, I would assume their focus for Square Enix would be um, to make more like games for their consoles. And if that clashes with the vision that the head of Square Enix has now, I wonder if that's not this like tightening up of the budget and stuff might be more due to a change in the way that they're investing in the future projects yeah. and not to be bought out by Sony. If See, that it's weird because it doesn't seem like something Sony would be focusing on because Sony always has always pretty much for the most part focused on what just high quality video game experiences. They're not even really big. Most of their big games are extremely high quality video game experiences. Most single player jumped into the mobile sphere of like the mobile market stuff yeah. of mobile games and stuff well, like how Microsoft is trying to be more involved now. Yeah. I mean, I don't even like, I know it's part of it. I, I know that the mobile market is bigger than video games. I know, but it just doesn't exist in my head when I think about it. I know that it is, but I'm just thinking about like consoles, but I do get it. Cause I mean, Sony right now, they've, they've already said they're working on 10 games as a service or whatever. Yeah. And uh, that's a huge part of it, too. One of them is obviously going to be whatever this f Last of Us game is, Factions. Mm. One of them is being made by Bungie. They bought Bungie, so Bungie is obviously yeah. making something for them because they do Destiny, and that's one of the biggest uh, games of this as a service thing. And I could see this NFT thing being part of it because from what I, what I kind of saw is these... It's not so much that there's like NFT games. It's that especially in something like, let's say, a shooter, what they can do is is they can make an, an NFT like, like a gun, right? So let's say I have this gold-plated Uzi in, uh, let's just say Destiny. Let's say I have this, and let's say like I have this, I they implement an NFT system where I have this gold-plated Uzi and it's got the stats and stuff. And then I have that gun. I own it. And then I can sell it to you, Seth, and give it to you. But that one specific ass gun only exists. Or maybe it's a certain, a helmet with a, I don't know, what's your sports team? Yeah, I don't do sports, but okay. Why not? The Saints. It's <laughs> got a baseball hat with the Saints on it. And, um, and it says Jester 954 in it or some shit. Like a cosmetic item that is unique to you 
can be turned into like can get, have like a an identifier number yeah. on it. That's Those pretty are... much what it'll become. I well, think. then that's kind of what they're called. So, have you heard the term yet? Play to earn. Play to earn. I can understand the concept because in Street Fighter Five, you could either buy content or you could play the game, earn an, a digital currency that's, in game, and then use that to buy shit. It, that's that's how you could, but that's not what they mean. Uh, but it is. I can see where your brain connected that dot. I would have done the same if I didn't look this up. Like I think Beth uh, so, I think Blizzard has like something like that too. It, Earn play to earn is specifically about NFT games. Uh, this is an article from creativeblock.com. Um, I was looking this up about NFT games because I've heard the term now in some articles. NFT games, in fact, this article is the best NFT games out now. And so I was like, I didn't even realize that that was now a genre. So there's one game here, Axie Infinity. Uh, genre is monster breeding, uh, the token is AXS. Uh, reasons to buy value of axes can go up. It's a visual treat, not also free to play, but the reasons to avoid is the value of axes can go down. Uh, Axie Infinity put NFT gaming on the map and is easily one of the top NFT games around. The monster breeding RPG showed NFT games can work, be rewarding, blah, 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 blah. The game features standard modes such as quests, player versus player, blah, blah, blah. Here we go. This is it. But as your axes are registered on a blockchain, their rarity and value can earn you real money. This play-to-earn model is what NFT games are known for. And it can be great when values go up, but not so good when they decline. So to offset the market forces imposed on the game, Axie Infinity now has a free-to-play model similar to games such as Elder Scrolls Online, so you can enjoy without needing to pay and like then buy other people's stuff. And of course, you can imagine the developers, I'm assuming how this works, get a piece of every sale that happens. Yeah. Square Enix has announced uh, a new game. Are you aware of Symbiogenesis? Mm -mm. That is an NFT game that Square Enix has recently announced. It's first NFT game. So the point of this is are they tightening up the budget because they're about to throw their hat into a new market sphere of this NFT game? Hmm. And because they're also still trying to develop Final Fantasies and all the good stuff that gamers like you and I play on consoles, or are they doing it to be sold, to be bought up by Sony? It's a good question, and it can go either way in my head. I would doubt it's to be bought by Sony if, A, they haven't been by, bought by Sony already. Because I yeah. would imagine Sony should have been made that purchase a while ago with the way that they fucking fuck all the time. Like, Sony is deep yeah. in that square. I, I just, I don't really get how it hasn't happened. I'm imagining. That's the point I'm making. And, and the it, strange thing is, is Square puts games out on Xbox, but it's like not all of them. Well, yeah, because X, Sony had actually deteriorated some of their relationships back around the end of the PlayStation 2 era into the 360 era. And that's why more games came to Microsoft because they started wanting to kind of put their own how you do business with me thing. It's kind of what Nintendo did to developers as well. And that's what allowed Sega to pull out from under Nintendo and take up that market share. And it's why they lost some ground 
to Microsoft during that era, especially with the 360, and why more um, gaming studios had started fucking with Microsoft because Sony had kind of like not burned the bridges; they're still there, but definitely they weren't as tight as what they were. Yeah. Um, so that that's part of it. So to me. I'm wondering if it's this push because I think Square Enix sees to be on the cusp of having the hot game that players can like build things and sell things on a blockchain that other people can buy and sell and have a marketplace in a game where their players can make money and then they make money off of everything in there. And I can see why more developers are wanting to move in that direction of making games that appeal to that. So that that would be my only pushback on is this Sony buying Square Enix. I mean, it's definitely possible. So, but that, that's just another way to look at it. I'm just trying to bring another angle to it than you yeah. know what, what what you were saying on that. And so, and it's, this is just something I looked up when I saw your NFT article because I read through it. And they were making these comments about um, they were making these comments, um, <clears throat> excuse me, about NFT games and about like, you know, uh, earn to play to earn. I mean, and I was like, I've never heard these terms either. Like you have. Yeah. So this was new for me as well. And this is <clears throat> another push into it. There's quite a few games. There's Axe Infinity is one. It's like a Pokemon thing. There's the sandbox, which is supposed to be something like akin to Minecraft. Uh, Gods Unchained, the best NFT game for fans of Magic the Gathering. Um, it looks like, I think here, you it's like a card thing where you could probably build out cards or decks and sell them through the as NFTs. Stuff like that. So the, And this is becoming a growing gaming marketplace that, again, people like you or I, I don't know if I'm down for that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't really have an interest in... Uh, but like, it's definitely it's uh, becoming the future. Like, NFT stuff sounds like bullshit and was, and it had a negative stench to it for a while, but I think, I think in time, they're going to keep throwing darts at this NFT board to somebody hits a bullseye. And the person who does is going to make a lot of money. Yeah. And everybody's trying to throw their dart. I mean, I imagine it would be something like a Pokemon or something. Like that's the I think that's the most perfect way to go. Yeah. Well, Square Enix is throwing their hat in the ring is in Symbiogenesis is the name of the game if I'm I just, saying. I have no like I don't know, man. I'm just I'm a dinosaur, dude. I'm and an it, old, old man. I just want it, well, I would say I just want side, video games. <laughs> and if Symbiogenesis conflicts with Sony's vision of future games. I don't see Square Enix wanting to be bought by Sony. Yeah. That's what worries me. Is that Sony is is what I want them to do is continue doing what they've always done and is just focus on making the highest quality video game experiences out there. Yeah. And if they deem that that model is no longer making them the kind of money that they need to survive and that they're going to have to adapt and turn into this online only, not only only, but online focused uh, games as a service, NFT style systems. That's just going to suck. But that's where that, that in the end, that's where this is all going. 
That's where Microsoft is trying to that's buy. That's where it's all going anyways. And They're that's a, trying to push that. Yeah. And it's a bummer, dude. It's a yeah. bummer that like I want games like you know Final Fantasy 15, games like The Witcher, games like Dark Souls, games like Devil May Cry 5. These super high quality video game experiences that are honed and designed and within themselves these experiences i understand that gaming is fluid and can be all the things that it can be and i can understand how like Fortnite is actually a whole lot of fucking nothing it's just a big map with some pretty shitty fucking uh character like well cool looking characters with a generic shooting mechanic but it's the perfect storm of systems sorry somebody's walking by my house and i can hear them uh it's the perfect storm of systems where it just works and it's just fun and it just gets millions and millions of people to play it it just worked out to be that way but when you look at what fortnite really is god dude it's just a it's just it's a sandbox it's just a box of bricks bro it's just a box of fucking little toys it's not a like shooting mechanics well yeah it's not like like when i was playing devil may cry 5 earlier today and i was like man this fucking game is put together so well and look like something like a dark like you're playing dark souls 3 look at dark souls 3 like this game is designed so meticulously and so like like artistically that I that's yeah. what I love about video games. Is that I want that. And the fact that these kind of more open ended kind of like this thing, I guess, like as a kid, I had friends, but I didn't really play with my friends a lot. I spent a lot of time, obviously, inside playing video games. And you get a bunch of kids together and you give them like a stick and a ball, and they're going to have so much fun with just the simplest of tools you know what i mean and it feels like that's what like fortnite is it's just a box with the simplest of tools in it it's like uh, yes and, and no though because i think that's also because you're looking at it from the outside like and not the inside of where you you're playing the game and then they're like events that happen in the game where thanos snaps half the things in this world oh i, I get those things all those things that like PUBG did not and so Fortnite took that marketplace. No, I get that. And I, I give Fortnite its flowers. But even my son now is telling me how the things he hears and sees, it's like Fortnite is on the downturn. Where even the kids now are like, Fortnite's old shit. Oh, yeah. They're going to grow out of something. You know, yeah, it, it's always going to happen unless they can change. But I do want to paint a picture for you of why I think we're going to move into this NFT world. Imagine you playing The Witcher. And you're playing, and you get all these potions, and you mix all these concoctions, these unique concoctions that you come up with tinkering all day. And then you're able to sell them to other players and make money. That's that's your fucking account. stupid. <laughs> okay. To you. It is stupid to me. But to other people... It's, who, Play it's, games, but wait, man! It's That's stupid good. to me because that kind of potion crafting system isn't not doesn't exist in The Witcher. Well, and I'm just saying, when you I'm, have a system like that, I'm someone's gonna 
level up a sword to level 10 and somebody doesn't want to do that or devise okay they did that diablo 3 did that yes when they had the the marketplace (laughs) and trying to do stuff like that but now using a blockchain where people can make ownership of those things so you can create scarcity the biggest problem with the internet and anything online is there is no limit on supply so it's hard to control price and create demand when you have infinite supply yeah and it's allows a way to limit supply and that way you can build demand and you can create a marketplace in there and i think that's what these companies are wanting to tap into because if they can take a 20% cut out of every charge, 30, 40% cut out of everything you do, however big the cut might be, I don't know. Yeah, uh, I, everybody's I, happy. I get it, but I just think it's, I yeah. think it, in the end, sure, whatever people want to do, if it's what people want to do, then let them do it, fine. Because I'm a curmudgeon and I'm a dinosaur, so I just want to play my game and enjoy it. But if people want to do that, like, it for me it fucking sucks. I'm thinking like it doesn't suck, but it's like yeah, I think it sucks. Like it's just taking time resources. But if that's how people want to spend their time playing a game, fine. But for me, it, it's like thinking like, oh great, so like I can go online and play like I don't know Tekken, and I can use all the money that I earn in game and design my character, my king. Right, I have my custom costume king. And what, so <clears throat> blockchain shit means that I can basically copyright my character design for me and then just sell it to somebody for 50 cents if I want. <clears throat> hey, maybe man, or hey, man, maybe. we used to just be able to share that. <laughs> that was just part of the game before. Like when you you're like, you know what that's going to turn into? WWE 2025 is going to have it to where community creations, you're going to have to pay for them. Because right now, I can just go online, and let's say I w- I'm playing WWE 2K22. Yeah. And I want to play as, uh, shout out to uh, Danhausen, right? Uh, I can just go download like the best creative wrestler, Danhausen, with a full move set and an intro and everything. And it looks like I have Danhausen in my game. So what? What do I have to look forward to? In a few years, I'm gonna have to pay somebody fucking twenty cents for that. Fuck you, dude. Like it's, it's, it's the more that we go further in this, the more they keep monetizing shit that we used to just already have. Well, see, I don't think it's gonna be a necessarily exact. I think they're. I think it's gonna evolve from that. I think people are gonna try to do that, and I think it might fall on its face, like you're saying. But I think where it's gonna be is like unique artists are going to create things and insert them into the game with the blockchain. And if you want this unique outside thing, you can buy it in game and then resell it to other people because you will have the NFT certificate for this thing. They can and buy and trade with each other. Cause I won't be part of that. <laughs> the fuck yeah, well, the, the whole here. point of that was just to highlight the fact that I don't know if that's necessarily meaning that Sony's buying square Enix because square Enix wants to play in this NFT world that you don't want yeah, to part. If that's the case, then stay <laughs> over there, homie. Um, another little square thing is uh, Yoshinori did go ahead and announce that there will be a big Final Fantasy announcement in 2023 that is not tied to um, like reunion. No. Oh, it's not Re- tied to Re-birth? 
Rebirth. Yeah, so we don't know what it is. Uh, a lot of people are thinking it's a Final Fantasy IX remake, which would be pretty cool. <laughs> Unless they do it like Seven, right? <laughs> I'd be fine with that. I'm okay. I would too. I like. Dude, 7. I think Final Fantasy VII remake is a fucking phenomenal video game. I just think the ending sucks, and I even like where they're going with it. Did you I beat it? good. Did you beat it yet? Yeah, I thought dude, you I beat, beat that shit. Oh, okay. yeah, we talked about it. Um, I think that game is amazing. I think the combat is fucking great. I think uh, the game looks awesome. I think it's the. I think it's just another incredible video game experience. It's just top tier triple A video game. I think it's amazing. I just feel. I just think that the final boss was fucking stupid. I like what they're doing though. I like yeah. that it's like, I like that they have opened up, like, light spoilers, I won't spoil me, but I like that it's kind of like an open-ended time paradox now, and we're going into, like, an unsure future that may mix the universe up. Yeah. Like, like, I, like, I, I, I know it's like very, e I know it's very easy to say this, but I'm telling you, I'm calling it. There's going to be heroes who are going to be villains, and there's villains who are going to be good guys. Like yeah, they're going to switch shit up and it's going to be fucking crazy. And you know, what's interesting about it too, is I agree with you. And it's an interesting idea for a remake because we're always getting remakes that are exactly what we played 10, 12 years ago, but just looks prettier and yeah. stuff like, bro, can you imagine if we're playing rebirth and Tifa dies instead yeah. of Aerith? I've been talking about that on my podcast. Are you crazy? Yeah, the fucking madness? The fucking madness that will go on if they say everyone's expecting Aerith to die. Let's kill Tifa. Holy fucking... Do me a favor. Kill Cloud. Fuck that guy. I'm so sick of him. Yeah, dude. Do me a favor. Kill him. Bring Zach over. I love Zach. I love his fucking cartoony little silly shit. Give me Zach. Kill Cloud. Fuck you, dude. Please don't kill Tifa. But ish. we'll see, though. We'll see what that announcement is. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting. Some more cool RPG stuff. Uh, Dragon's Dogma 2 update is coming, quote unquote, as soon as possible. I mean, that's exciting, cool. But yeah. hey, guys, show us something. Because Dragon's Dogma, for all the praise that Aaron and I give it, and I think that was our 2013 game of the year, uh, Dragon's Dogma's great, but I played it again recently. It's a little dated. It's still awesome. It's and still if, great. I played still, it recently, too. Yeah, it's and still... I found your character. Yeah, you did. It, it's still awesome, and if I didn't have so many other games I was playing right now, I would be playing it again. Like I, It really is an awesome game, but you motherfuckers, if you put Dragon's Dogma 2 out and it's the same shit with new, like, they better, I'm really hoping they are starting from the ground up and building a new game. Like, make a brand new video game because that game feels 10 years old. They uh, got a lot of soul games to pull from now. Yeah, they have a lot to pull from and it is a great game. And I want it to remain very similar to how it is. It's a really good game, but like, Come on, bring it to the future a little bit. Uh, another cool one coming up is Street Fighter Six Type Arcade. 
they will be making arcade cabinets for Street Fighter 6. They did this for 5 also. They're hard to find because they're very expensive and there's not really many arcades. So there's not really a reason for people to buy these arcade machines. Well, here, there's been a renaissance of that in Japan. So well, I mean, I don't know, dog. Actually, kind of reverse. Like, uh, Club Sega's have well, closed down. COVID fucked that up. But before COVID really hit, because that was actually something I was reading in the book I've been reading about the history of, of gaming. They, it was written and done around 2021, I think this book came out. It, the book came out very recently. And one of the things they were talking about is the arcade cabinet scene. And when it was its golden age. And their debates about it being in the 80s, the 70s, it the 90s. It was the 90s. No, sure. it actually, it, 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 the goal, it depends on what you determine a golden age. Because, yes, if you're Street Oh, I thought Fighter, you mean like the, yeah, I'm talking, well, no. Talk I, about dollars, it's the 80s. Okay. So, like, it depends on what you're talking about. Because, actually, arcades were on the decline in the 90s because home consoles were on the yeah. In the 90s. Yeah, I'm more so, talking about what games were coming out, but it's no, because once home consoles came, you didn't have to go to arcades anymore. Exactly. So, but recently, in recent years before COVID really fucked that up, it actually was coming back. And, and more so in Japan, from what I was reading. I didn't, I wasn't really aware of this, but the arcade scene was kind of coming back. Uh, and there has been a rise of like, uh, and it's starting to come around here, but it still hasn't really caught fire of like um, gaming, like cafes and game well, restaurants okay. and stuff like bars. Well, okay, things like barcades and bars are are blowing up all over the country. But unfortunately, what they're doing is is they're either having console stations or what they have is is they have multicabs, so you can just yeah. take one arcade machine and put. 1500 arcade machines in it yeah so you yeah. could have one arcade machine and it has like every king of fighters game so that like every fatal so instead of having like a fatal fury real uh real bout fatal fury arcade cabinet and a uh samurai showdown cabinet and a street fighter 2 cabinet and a street fighter alpha 2 cabinet you could just have one and it's got a million games in it so those cabinets are basically just glorified raspberry pies with san wahori stick parts in them and they're not real, actual arcade cabinets. Now, there are arcades. Like, we have a place around here called Arcade Game Sales. And they find and refurbish and fix, like, real ar like arcade cabinets. So you can okay. go there and play, like, I don't know, a fucking... Whatever. Arcade, like, go find a Rampage. You know, the game with the dinosaur and the fucking King Kong and the lizard and the, the old Rampage World Tour. You can go play a Rampage arcade machine over there. But that's yeah. not... The problem is, is it's not financially viable to be buying arcade cabinets. Why the fuck are you going to spend what is probably going to cost you, I'm assuming, somewhere along the lines of $8,000 or so for a Street Fighter Six cabinet when you can just buy a console, connect some fight sticks to it, and if anything, build a fake, build a cabinet, get a mock cab, yeah. and just run the parts through it. Like you might as well just run a console through it. Why? 
why buy a dedicated? I know there's going to be like a discount. Like if for com for people who did purchase the Street Fighter V cabinet, they'll be able to get the upgrade module to upgrade it into a six cabinet, basically swapping out the big board. But it's like, why buy a big ass board the size of a console when you can just play it on console? I, I don't really understand the point of making a Street Fighter VI arcade cabinet other than making it to be like, look what we made. Well, I'm going to read this quote. Uh, I'm wondering, if, and the reason why I'm bringing this up because I think it might have something to do with it. Uh, this quote is from Howard McGluffey, Vice President, Pinnacle Entertainment Group. Now, he made this right before COVID hit. I think the golden age of arcades is now. This is quote. We use a metric called sales per game per week. The sales we're seeing in some locations is at an all-time high. The reason why this is happening and why I say that now is the golden age of arcades is that you have multiple generations that understand arcades and enjoy playing in them. The, he grabbed a couple quotes in this book about, um, which I'm going to go ahead and um, give you the name of the book. The Ultimate History of Video Games is the name of the book. Okay. It was recently uh, written and published. Pretty recently. They referenced COVID, so it's a fairly recent book. And um, so he's somebody that's vice president over in one of the companies that distributes out some of these arcade cabinets in, in these places. And they were seeing all-time high sales before COVID hit and wrecked people congregating in a place hmm. i think there is still a viable market in some areas for sure for arcade cabinets and stuff and i think that's why they're done but it's i would agree with you it's definitely more of a niche i mean it's not going to get the sales and money generation that like a fucking uh console game or whatever it is right street fighter 6 yeah. would make way more money on your playstation 5 than it is in an arcade but there's still a marketplace for it yeah, I mean, it's a marketplace. Because honestly, where one too, is, and I'll drive to it. I'll go play it just to do it. But and they and they charge more now. Like it's not going to be fifty cents. Oh no, yeah, but arcade machines are stupid. Two dollars, like, <laughs> it's, like, you know, it's going to be like two dollars a match or some shit like that. Yeah. So it is going to be more, but it's also a place where you congregate with people. And I'm, I'm assuming some of these places. I haven't really looked at some of the more recent arcades today. And what they're looking like, or at least right before COVID. But I'm imagining some of these things are probably built around like restaurant concepts, food, things like that. Because the retail is dying to the internet. But entertainment and experiences are what's on the rise. Yeah, Somewhere that you can go take your TikTok video at is becoming the place that you want. <sighs> because it gets a little boring to shoot a TikTok video at your house. But if you can go somewhere cool and do your vid, that's where you go. Yeah. So things like that, I think, are what are seeing some kind of resurgence. And, of course, there's nostalgia. And nostalgia has been so strong in just, like, the movies that we get, the remakes of games that we get. So it's no fucking surprise that we see a Street Fighter Six arcade cabinet trying to get into a marketplace that is seen some sort of resurgence yeah so we'll see on the same on the capcom tip uh resident evil 4 remake reportedly keeping controversial area from original game i think you know a little more about this than i do but yeah, so it's, it's good that they're not cutting it out at least yeah so that was one of the big things that they got a lot of shit for with resident evil 3 remake but resident evil 3 remake they cut out the clock tower level that whole section of the game i mean to be honest they cut out a 
decent bit because they cut out the whole thing of making choices. So in Resident Evil 3, there were many spots in the original game where you would run into Nemesis and you would choose like something to do. Do you stand and fight Nemesis or do you run away from him? And a lot of it was based around those because they had such a crunch with Resident Evil 3 that they had to really find a way to build like more reasons to replay this game and play this game out because of how short it is. So when they did the remake, they cut out a portion of the game and, and like, I don't think it necessarily made it shorter because they, they kind of expanded more in certain areas. Like the whole thing with Carlos going into uh, the uh, police station yeah. was not, there was two sections I want to say with Carlos in the in the hospital and in the police station, and that wasn't in the original, if I'm not mistaken. You played as Jill the whole way through. Yeah, I, I don't recall. I didn't play it, but I don't remember ever seeing oh, like yes. Carlos. You, I'm sorry, you play as Carlos through the hospital for a little oh. bit. You do, you do, because um, Jill gets sick, and you got to play as Carlos and make a cure uh, because she gets infected with the T virus. So yes, there is a small section, but they gave another section to Carlos, which is also kind of cool. Because it gives you a look at, like, when you played Resident Evil 2 Remake, you come across a section in the game where you're like, oh, damn, some shit went down in here. And then RE3 Remake says, oh, hey, this is what happened. This is why that room looks this way. Because Carlos came through here and did this thing. Okay. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool that they connected that because that wasn't in the original. But they cut the clock tower, and people were pissed about that. So I'm assuming with Resident Evil 4, they're like, Oh, we're going to keep this. But the problem is a lot of people cite the island as one of the poorest parts of the original game. Mm-hmm. One of the parts that maybe needs to be cut. Now, from what I remember playing and experiencing, I mean, I don't remember. I, I can't really put together any hardcore reasons why that part is worse than any other. It does kind of suffer towards the end, for sure, than what it is. Like The village is probably the best part of the game. And the castle's cool too, but I think the village is definitely the best, like more horror aspect of it. Yeah, the game does get kind of goofy down the road, and it's always been kind of you spin kicking dudes through fucking windows and shit, and you watching people throw axes at you and then pull axes out of their pocket to throw another one at you. Yeah, it's goofy as fuck. So I'm curious to see if there's any changes with that shit because it does seem like they're trying to lean into horror more with this game than what it was in the original. It definitely was more action-y than horror, I'd say, with the original four. So I, I thought that was interesting. I added that to it. Um, that's that's kind of the bit on the island. And so they're saying that everything's going to be intact. And I'm assuming they're doing so because of the blowback they got with three remake. Okay. Yeah, I'll be there. I'll play it. Maybe not day one, but I will eventually play it. Um... More cool game stuff, Death Stranding. Anybody who uses the Epic Store, I believe Death Stranding is free right now, so go grab that. And uh, and play it, because I'm going to probably go back and try it again. Because there's another one coming out, and I want I think I want to know what's going on. But cool news we have here is uh, about the movie. Headline here for from Video Games Chronicle says, The Death Stranding film, quote, won't be a blockbuster with big actors and explosions. So apparently, <laughs> there's a possibility that uh, 
that Kojima's not going the big flashy Hollywood route. And apparently he may not even be using Sam Bridges. So that would make sense to me because what that game is about isn't necessarily very big blockbustery. Yeah. So make it something on a smaller scale uh, makes sense. I mean, I feel like it would make sense to make it more in line because it is kind of a horror uh, game to a certain extent. For sure. I mean, there is people haunted by the deaths of things, war, and there's ghosts and monsters from another plane. And it's about like just uh, a scary concept about like the whole idea of um, extinction. Yeah. So um, it does make sense why the the concepts and, and things that play in that game, um, if they went action route like that, it, it does kind of, I'm not surprised because he's like, Hideo's like a super, he comes across as a super creative, like genius is the way he's like placed in the gaming sphere. Mm-hmm. Whether or not you agree with that is whatever. But I mean, he, come on, man, Metal Gear, he's got, he, you got to give him credit. No, I, I definitely do. He's made a lot of great. I'm a fan. I'm a fan of Death Stranding. I, I mean, I, I enjoy that game as well, and it's definitely divisive. Some people really hate it. Some people really like it. I'm in the camp that really likes it. I, I enjoyed it. You know, um, yeah. It's not like it's got next level like um, game mechanics to it and shit like that. It, it's not even in that like. I mean, yes, I know. I've kind of like I've uh, been associated with, I like hard games and like the more I die, the better, but it's, it's not that kind of game. Then you don't yeah. really get that kind of experience at that game. So like, but I mean, I, I like it and I'm not like a diehard Hideo fan. I mean, I, I don't really give a shit. Like I, but I like a lot of his games. Metal gear solid was big for me growing up. Like I really enjoyed that game. Yeah. I remember playing through the first one and beating it on an easier mode setting. Granted, like in the night, a buddy of mine came over. He directed me exactly where to go. We played on an easier setting, and I beat that shit in the night. And, like, that's a memory for me. And I remember seeing Metal Gear Solid 2, the trailer for it, the first time. And I was like, what the fuck oh, is yeah. that shit? And, that, and I went and got the first one and played it and, like, all that shit. So, I mean, um, yeah, I'll always, I'll always be a fan of Hideo's stuff, of Kojima's stuff, but, like, to a certain degree, but, um, yeah, I enjoyed it. And so, I mean, I feel like the movie's a weird move. I felt like it, it, he, if he, I know he wants to do movie shit. I've heard that. He's always wanted to, he, he's basic. It's, it pretty much seems like he's always wanted to be in Hollywood. Yeah. If but you if, look at all of his games, they're all kind of like, I mean, look at his, earliest games look at the metal gear games in the 80s he was literally taking photographs screenshots from like terminator and drawing over them for his character portraits like literally the game like the cover art for like his games and other key art was like snake plissken or uh the fucking guy from the movie i just said terminator Terminator, uh like he has always like idolized like Hollywood and movies and that's what he's always wanted to kind of be is like 
a Hollywood guy. So he like it's no it's no surprise that he wants to make like blockbuster ass movies. Yeah, that's not a surprise. I'm he's creative genius guy. Don't you have another idea than Death Stranding? Did you? Why would you beat Death Stranding to death with making a sequel, making a movie, having the first one? Like, eh, you know, you almost sound like a one-trick pony here. You had Metal Gear and lost that, and now you're just beating Death Stranding to death with that brand. Like, I kind of was hoping Death Stranding was a one and done. Now, um, the trailer for two looks looks dope. Okay, I'm so interested in that. So I'm thinking it. The amount of work he puts into these worlds he builds and his vision, I guess, it's it's probably a lot harder than it looks to like come yeah. up with the world of Death Stranding yeah. and then be like, oh, cool, I made the game. I'm done with that. Yeah. Because it, people yeah. like Norman Reedus and Mads Mikkelsen, he's like personal friends with them now from the amount of time that they spent together. They're like... It's not just so much like, oh, this is an actor I hired for a role. He like gets to know these people and he's building these worlds like with them. So Norman Reedus isn't just like, oh yeah, send me my script and I'll read it on Monday. He's like spending time with him and visualizing and realizing this world and these characters and really trying to bring life to these roles i think even more so than like something like a what's the fucking guy from fucking god of war christopher god of war yeah forget his name but yeah i know you're talking about like that guy seems a little more like he's just a like he's an actor that guy's just like i'm an actor i'm gonna do my part perfectly but whatever hideo's doing with like death stranding feels a lot more like a life's work style thing that he's doing. So I think that Death Stranding is a lot more than just like, oh, well, you already put the game out, so just be done with it. I feel. Uh, I mean, yeah, it makes sense not to leave an idea like that and all that stuff. And I, I I'd agree with you. I see your point. It's interesting. So, I mean, I look forward to it. I am interested to see what they do. I mean, I think saying like, it's not going to be a blockbuster with huge explosions and famous actors is like, yeah, dude, probably a safe bet because you might fucking lose all your money because movies are very expensive. But, um, I think it would be a lot better than just going like full on explosions and fucking celebrities. Uh, but speaking of explosions and celebrities and Terminator, apparently James Cameron is considering rebooting Terminator. I Did think he already he, do that. Like we didn't reboot no. it, but he like it. He keeps like soft rebooting them, but he's like he keeps rebooting Terminator within the universe. So apparently he's he's considering like actually just like redoing it. Like no Arnold, no Sarah Connor, like just redoing it completely. I think he should fuck off. Yeah, I agree. I think he should fuck off. You've had plenty <laughs> of chances. And you know what, man? You've made a bunch of Terminator movies. And even though most of them are kind of shit, even the bad ones are pretty good. For what they're supposed to be, they're fun. 
Rise of the Machines isn't even that bad, and that's pr- and it's pretty bad. <laughs> but for what it's supposed to be, I don't know who told who that Terminator is some sort of piece of art, like Alien. I think that's the problem, is I think that people mm-hmm. are equating Terminator on the level of something like Ridley Scott's Alien, where... No, it's not. It's not like that. It's fucking Terminator. It's an action movie. It's cool. It's a... I get it. The dystopian idea. It's it's that time period for that stuff, right? Robots, AI, computerizing. Yeah, just keep making more Terminator movies, dog. It's like... I don't think it's news. It's it's not news to me that he wants to make more Terminator movies. Hey, man, just shut the fuck up and make your movie. Like, I don't know. Like, oh, big... Whenever I hear shit like this, it makes me feel like, like whenever I hear like, oh, big director wants to make his make big movie again. It's a, <laughs> it, you know what it makes me think of? It's the most infuriating thing that I have been seeing. That's not, not the most, infuri- I mean, I'm over exaggerating, but whatever. One of the f- things that I fucking hate seeing in the headline is such and such actor really wants to star in a Marvel movie. Really? <laughs> really? Like, what's the new big actress? What's the Wednesday girl's name? Oh, yeah. I don't know what her name is. Okay, some, so she's... Like something Gomez, I think. Or is that just the name of the character in the show? Yeah, I think Gomez is the name of the show. But whatever the girl's name is, right? Let's... Uh, it's like hearing Wednesday actress says that she would love to star in a Marvel film as Jean Grey. Yeah, there you oh. go. And Ortega. Yeah. Oh, Really? Really? Is is that so? That's the big headline? That actor wants one of the biggest types of roles in Hollywood right now? Like, of course. What what actor doesn't want to star in a fucking Marvel or Star Wars or just any Disney especially owned property because they're going to give you millions of dollars? So it's like James Cameron wants to make Terminator. Really? That's the big surprise. You you think you're surprising me by telling me old director who doesn't want to bother coming up with new ideas just wants to retell his big one of his biggest stories again, guaranteeing him more millions of dollars than he already has. Like they want you to click that article, man, and you did it. You oh, did. Oh no, it. I didn't. I copied. Did I even put an article here for it in the doc, or did I just write the thing? Yeah. Thank you, dude. I didn't even put an article in the doc for it. I just fucking wrote the headline because I was like, we don't even need the article. The headline is the thing. James Cameron wants to make Terminator again. Big surprise. When I see articles like that, I have been getting to the point to refuse to click things that are just Bro. like, yeah, that just clickbaity. Fucking stupid. stupid. You gotta pay the bills. Cameron. He doesn't got- have to pay. I mean, no, not not him, but the oh. people writing the article. Like they gotta yeah. pay the bills. <laughs> um. Another cool one, Fetty Alvarez is making an Alien movie, and they're filming in Budapest early next year. That's pretty cool. I mean, we don't know shit about it, but just knowing that there's another Alien film in the works is great. Uh, This is a movie, not the show. So I know that there's a TV show they're working on as well. So that's pretty exciting, but there's no real news about it. Uh, A couple more little video game news we got here. This one I really do think is very cool, is that the Hitman games are being combined into one hub called World of Assassination. So they've already kind of done this to where if you own... So there's Hitman 1, 2, and 3 
on current consoles, right? Last last generation and this generation. And in 2020, I think, Hitman 3 came out. And they came, they have an entirely new system. Like, the game was overhauled and it's got a new engine. And what they did was, is if you owned Hitman 1 or 2, you could import your Hitman 1 and 2 games into Hitman 3 and it would update those games to the new graphics engine and the new gameplay engine with better physics. Essentially, remastering Hitman 1 and 2, which is a very, very cool thing. And there was this whole kind of convoluted way that it was all one, like you could kind of mash all of your Hitman games together because Hitman games, for those who don't know, are you play as a Hitman, and it's mission-based. Each mission is like you have a mission and you have a target you have to assassinate. And you can play each mission countless times and do the assassination differently. Sometimes, like, you're on a yacht during a party and you got to kill somebody on the boat. Like, how do you want to do it? Do you want to dress up like one of the wait- waiters and, like, spike their drink and poison them? Do you want to climb into an air vent and uh, jump down and break their neck while they're in the bathroom? Do you want to get onto another little dinghy boat and fucking drive out to the middle of the ocean and then snipe him from way far out and scuba away? It's fucking wild. It does. It's such a cool game. I've played a good amount of one and two. Yeah. And the Hitman games are awesome. So what they're doing now is Hitman 3 will be the only one you buy. And then it will be like called World of Assassination. And, uh... You can basically combine them all. So I already own one and two, so I don't own three because I just don't have the time because I have so many games. But whenever I choose to buy Hitman three, it's gonna just combine all three of those games, and it's just gonna be one giant massive assassination simulator. And I think that's a pretty cool thing that they're doing. I think that is a really cool way of you know not reselling you the same fucking games again they're just like hey look if you own any of this content it's all gonna merge into one big game and it's all gonna use the same engine and it's fucking awesome so i think that's pretty cool have you played any of the hitman games yeah i was a fairly big fan of i played some of the old ones like uh, was it blood money oh man yeah that's old yeah i played some of those and i played the recent one one i played one uh yeah. i think i actually have two and three do I have three? You probably have one and two because I, I think PlayStation yeah. Plus gave us those. Yeah, or at and least I played one of through them. one. I haven't played through much of two. I played a little yeah. bit. Those that are great be games. A game to go back to and like stream a bit of. Yeah, man. Well, it's cool because it's like they're cool, and you I like, like you like crazy shit to do, and those you those games are crazy. You could be like, yo, I'm gonna play Hitman, but I'm not gonna ever use a weapon. I'll play Hitman and only have my dick out. Yeah, <laughs> no clothes. <laughs> no clothes hit, man. <laughs> uh, two more here. One, uh, The Last Guardian developer suggests it will reveal their next game this year. This is awesome. This is the people who made Shadow of the Colossus. They made yep. Eco. They also made The Last Guardian. Now, I didn't play The Last Guardian. I don't know why. I just never got around to it. Yeah, but me neither. The sh- but Shadow of the Colossus is one of the best games, probably one of the most emotionally impactful games I ever played. I didn't, I haven't really gone back to it much, but Shadow of the Colossus is a, a truly sp- spectacular video game and a very un- probably one of the most unique games ever, and a real treat, a real treasure of a video game. Uh, 
but it's exciting to see like they're going to announce whatever they're going to do and that's a pretty exciting thing because it's probably going to be something interesting it'll just i it'll be nice if it comes out within a year or two because when la- they announced last guardian and it took something like 10 years for that game to come out yeah i'm making that number up but i think it's it was some crazy thing like 7 10 13 years it was some crazy shit that we were they announced last guardian and it took forever I, like i don't even know how long it took um and last one is a little unknown one it's immortal and the death that follows gameplay uh has an update which uh, if you look up immortal and the death that follows so that is a game that follows behind god i forgot the name of it aeon yeah i'm not sure I'm oh, not hold on the other game that they they had there's this we talked about on the podcast a long time ago there was this team that made this game called it was called like aeon something um fuck i'm so sorry i'm trying to find it immortal and what it's called uh immortal and the death that follows um but this company had made this game and the like the publisher Mishura Games is the publisher Mishura Games is the publisher yeah but before this that team had made a game called like Aeon Aeon something and well, right now Mishura Games is the developer and the publisher this is kind of like an indie thing right uh yeah it was called Aeon Must Die A O N Must Die and, and Aeon Must Die is this really really cool looking video game it's got a really great art style it's like a fucking it's like a fighting game but kind of not but what ended up happening is is the like the publisher or something that they were working with at that time took the game and released it and paid none of the artists they basically stole the game from the people who made it and were like fuck you and the people who made it like fucking told everybody like hey everybody look they, they stole our game and they didn't pay us and nothing happened to the people they put the game out you can go buy it uh, a lot of people chose not to buy that game because they literally stole it from the artists and it's a it's a travesty because i really want to play that game but i can't bring myself to buy it because they literally stole that game from the people who made it like they hired people that were making a game they finished the game and then the company put the game out and just didn't pay anybody who made the game. It's very, it's a really crazy story. You can find like stuff on it. I'll send you some stuff because it sounds like something you might be interested in. The, the story itself is really wild. Um, Young Yeah did a video about it. You can look up. He tells you some info. And they leaked all the documents and all the receipts. <laughs> but basically, uh, that team uh, eventually linked back up. And they have been working on a game called Immortal and the Death That Follows. And it looks pretty awesome. And there's more there's more uh, updates for it. You can look it up. And uh, it looks really interesting. It's got like this really crazy neon kind of Japanese vibe to it. And it's got really brutal, crazy combat. It's 2D style focus. And it looks really interesting. And I'm really excited for that game. It looks uh, really dope. And when it comes out, I will probably buy whatever the most expensive version of it is to support because that's it's a really shitty thing for 
them to work so hard and make a game so visually impressive. When Aeon Must Day was announced at like a Game Awards or like an E3 thing, and we all saw it one year, we were all like, whoa, what was that? And then eventually it came out, but people didn't know what happened. And it was like, oh, wow, they literally... Like, I didn't know it was possible to do that, to literally hire people to make a game, take the game, sell it, and then just fire everyone and not pay them. Yeah. And it's it's pretty crazy. You uh, you actually brought another story to mind. Um, so Resident Evil 2 Remake, uh, originally there was an indie team that was making uh, a, a Resident Evil 2 game, and all of a sudden they got a cease and desist, and Capcom reached out. And said, hey, look, we see what you're doing. We need you to stop because we're making a Resident Evil 2 remake um, game. And uh, but look, what you, what you made is pretty good. Why don't we help you? And they came up with a game, Daymare. The reason why this story is relevant is because in the news, somebody else was trying to make a remake of Resident Evil 1. And then all of a sudden, Capcom has just stopped them. Hmm. Meaning that maybe quite possibly there is a remake of resident evil one coming out if they're stopping the fit because they weren't making this to like make money it's just a fan made thing like just fans wanting to remake whatever so to sometimes a lot of companies they don't really fuck with that kind of stuff because nobody's making money with it unless there's something in the works but capcom's gonna make money with it so uh could be a resident evil one remake in the works coming I mean, they already remade one, but it's mm. still remade in the uh, tank control. Yeah, that was a, that's a GameCube game. Yep, it was, but it technically is a remake. And there even is some differences with that one than the original. So Okay, uh, nice. Anyway. Um, before we go here, we did have a question here written by Brian Marshall, friend of the show. Uh, he says, uh, there's so many movies, games, and albums coming out this year. Can you nerds pick three of each you're excited to see, play, and hear? So I know that's that's a lot, but you got three movies, games, and albums coming out this year? No, uh, I could do three games. Uh, I don't know if I could do three movies, uh, but three games I'll give you. Um, Resident Evil 4 Remake, Silent Hill 2 Remake. I believe that's supposed to be for this year as well. Mm-hmm. And the third game coming out this year, uh, probably Dead Space remake. Son of a quick. bitch! All right. Um, mine are simple. It's Street Fighter Six, Final Fantasy Sixteen. You know, Street Fighter Six is definitely. <laughs> I, I have to kick Dead Space off for Street Fighter. 6. Yeah, dog. My number one this year. Street Fighter Six is definitely that. Yeah. yeah. My number one is. I mean. My number one is Street Fighter Six, but it's very close. Is Final Fantasy Sixteen? If not, it's Final Fantasy Sixteen is number one. Um, I'm if, not yeah. fight it for it, but I, yeah, it's I fucking Final Fantasy, dog. <laughs> <laughs> it's I am I am I'm excited for sixteen. Oh well, hell yeah, no 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 no, it, it looks good. I'm definitely planning on that, but it's just. Silent Hill 2 remake. Now, if Silent Hill 2 remake doesn't come out this year, I thought it was, then I would have to put Final Fantasy 16, I think, on that list. Yeah. So, yeah, for me, it's Street Fighter, Final Fantasy, and then I don't know for the third. Um, I mean, 
I am looking forward to Forspoken. It does look pretty cool. Mm. Uh, unless Tekken 8 is on. You know what I mean? Tekken, if Tekken 8's in 20th of 23, let's go. Oh, but you know what? Spider-Man 2. Spider-Man 2 is going to be pretty wild. Uh, oh, yeah. And Wolverine. Wolverines, we're, we're probably not getting to that until like 2025 or 2026, dude. What's that for this year? No, no, no sir. They never said that. Yeah, no way, dude. Spider-Man, uh, Wolverine, nah, dude. They just told us they're making it. That's. I wouldn't be surprised if that's a cross-gen title. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Who knows, dude? Um, it's, it's Omniac's doing that, though, yeah. right? Yeah, so I think it'll be a PS5 title, but I mean... No, 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 sir. Microsoft has claimed that Sony plans to release Insomniac's Wolverine game in 2023. The Wolverine game was announced during PlayStation Showcase event September 2021. Nope, I don't believe it. You may not believe it, but it is... There is some plan for that to maybe... I will bet you money that game does not come out till at least 2025. Uh, Maybe 24. Maybe late 24. At the earliest fall of 24. Fall of 24. But I'm thinking 2025. Uh, Yeah. But yeah, Spider-Man 2. I'm actually excited to get back into Spider-Man. I'm actually being really stupid. I really want to play Spider-Man on PS5. But I have it on PS4. And once you boot up the PS5 version, they duplicate all your trophies. So I kind of want to get the platinum on the PS4 version, so I can just clink clink duplicate an extra platinum. But if I platinum it on four, I'll just never have to play it again. But I'll give a movie, uh, actually a movie I'm excited for this year, is uh, Evil Dead Rises. Oh yeah, Evil Dead Rise. That's the only that's the only movie I think that I have to look forward to because uh, I just don't do movies and um, I don't know. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, don't care. Mayhem, that's the Seth Rogen is supposed to be doing the Ninja Turtles take. I don't care. <laughs> Whatever. I mean, sure. I sure I'm a I Turtles guess. fan, so I mean like I, I like yeah. that kind of so I mean I'm interested. Mm. Evil Dead Rise looks great though. I've seen the trailer many times. I was in the theater today, I got to see it on the big screen. The the mother in that looks fucking scary, man. It that looks really good. It looks really great. I'm really stoked about it. Yeah, I really like that. Um, and albums, you know, I don't know because I don't know who's working on stuff. Yeah. Because I don't know who's working on albums. I don't know. I I, I actually haven't been really keeping track of a lot of like a lot of the bands that I listen to are like touring. So you know, I what would I like to see? I would like I'd like a new Trivium record for the fuck of it. Uh, even though Matt Heavey's gotten so big on, he's kind of getting kind of annoying, but that's just what happens with some of these bands. They get big, but, but their stuff is still good in the court of the dragon is a fucking good record, man. Uh, so I'd like to see a trivium record. Uh, I mean, a Kavinsky record just came out. So, and that shit is dope as fuck. Reborn by Kavinsky is very good. Um, a new trivium record would be nice. Um, who else would I like to see drop some music this year? I don't know. I mean, I don't want to. I, I don't need another Deftones record. No, uh, yeah, at the Genesis. I don't need another one right now. It's not that I don't need one. It's just that they just dropped the really, 
uh, New Crosses, um, not a whole album, but it was like six, seven tracks or something. Like that. Yeah. I don't know. I think, I think I'm okay on music right now because I'm still catching up. Like I'm still like catching up to a lot of stuff. Like I just found Ghost Bath and Daniel Kavinsky and I don't know. I like when music comes out and I get surprised. So I'm not really sure what's coming out this year. Um, Terrible music guest. Like I rarely like a lot of times now. I'm listening to old '90s and 2000 gangster rap in the gym, <laughs> and like just shit that's terrible. It's just it's, all I, good. it's not good. But like I like. enjoy it, so it's fine. Yeah, man. Um, well, I like some Deftones, too, to mix in there with stuff, but, like, new shit and all that. I mean, it's podcast has really taken a lot of my listening habits. Yeah, so, that's a big problem for me. I only listen to podcasts. It yeah. is very rare that I put music on, and it feels kind of weird. Like, when I'm, like, unless it's, like, on my record player, yeah. I, I, I don't, like, I put... Uh, I put some music on in the car the other day and it was like, it was cool, but I felt like I was missing out on information because I only listen to video game podcasts. Yeah, that's so weird. I understand what you're saying. I'm always listening to the latest game news. So I'm always like, I might be missing something, you know, like I might not be hearing this, but we'll see. Uh, I'm just trying to look and see if there's any other questions I didn't get to. And this other thing... Oh, someone did write into the anonymous thing. What is your favorite... What rec, What's your favorite record you own? And then Dream Record? Um, that's probably because I put it on my... I, I put the NGL links on my own stories as well. Um, I don't know. Favorite record I own? I usually always immediately say Tangerine Dream, Underwater Sunlight... And the Lethal Weapon score. But I've gotten so many of the like really great soundtracks. Like it's 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 still really wild to me that I own Shin Megami Tensei Nocturne. And then also like, man, Tekken Seven is really great and the Street Fighter records and the Mega Man. I don't know, man. I, I kind of own like Dream Record, I don't know. Because I kind of own all the Mega Mans, all the Street Fighters, like what else what else could I want obviously there's more so I don't know if I have a dream record really yeah uh, I can't really answer that at all I yeah. only have records and even if we just talk about albums and stuff like that like I don't know dude like it's it's hard right now I've been grinding on crosses pretty hard but I mean like it's just a album I like to listen to it's yeah. not a record and it's not whatever and again music is been i still like to listen especially at the gym i have been growing to like to listen to more music but it's oh hell yeah if you're working out you need it sometimes sometimes i'll do the podcast and stuff like that it depends oh oh see i if i was working out i would be listening to music it i it depends what headspace you're in i mean podcast could be good too it's just you don't want to listen to something too funny you bench in like 80 pound dumbbells and like start laughing and you drop that shit on you that's not gonna be fun but I mean, fuck! Like if you're listening to something kind of engaging, it can kind of keep your mind off of the work that you're doing. And also, it's a way I kind of almost trick myself. Like, oh, I work out is an excuse to go listen to something. Yeah. Because when I'm home, then I want to play something or watch something. 
or whatever. But then I'm just sitting there. But I go, hey, you know, what? I can listen to a podcast and go like exercise mm-hmm. and get that out. And so I kind of give myself excuses like that to do things. So it's it it helps. Sometimes I listen to y'all. I listen to nerds. While yeah, working. thanks. Yeah, sometimes. Mm-hmm. Nice man. Yeah. Uh, we'll see though. But yeah, I'll think more about that um, for a later episode. So this has been. A little news special we did here. Went over some news. I want to thank you very much for joining me, Seth, from Who's Next Gaming. Appreciate you, dog. Anytime, uh, man. Uh, we could do this more often if you like. Yeah, man. Definitely. Uh, there will be... I'm going to be working on some more kind of topic-specific episodes, yeah. guys, but uh, you got to give me some time. I thought that I was going to be able to, like, I'm going to do a Street Fighter episode and just, like, go off the top of my head, but I realized, like, Nah, man, I got to do a little research. I, I really want to make sure I put some good information in here and edit in some really fun, cool stuff and some cool music and sound bites from like endings and stuff. And I want to get some uh, almost like audio essays going on about stuff. So I know I don't like saying what never tell people your products before you do them, but it's fine. Like I know that the first one I, I am going to do is I'm going to do an episode on uh, record collecting and just kind of being a vinyl nerd, kind of like how I got into records, how to get into records, and uh, I got some cool little surprises for that, which would be neat. And then, you know, probably some actual game-specific deep dives. Obviously, you know me, I love Street Fighter, so around the time Street Fighter drops, I'd like to have like a big Street Fighter episode. And I did actually, I have been... I have a couple of Street Fighter history books, and I actually did order another Street Fighter history book, and I ordered another... I'm, my thing's books now. I'm buying video game books. Uh, and I ordered a Street Fighter World Warriors encyclopedia, which has every character from the Street Fighter history up until five, and, like, all their information, so I can kind of bone up on anything I'm missing. So I'm kind of looking forward to filling any holes I, I there, aren't, there aren't many holes for street fighters lore that i have in my head but i i really want to get it really down so i can actually kind of make something of it but uh just look out in the future uh say it in like a an orderly fashion you know what i mean like sometimes you can go and stream a thought yeah and i'll be all over the place yeah and then you can actually end up being a little more confusing to your listener so having something written out and organized might yeah it would definitely just be it's not even a thing like you don't know it. It's just that you want to be able yeah. to. Well, I thought I, I, I thought of trying to like do it, and I started like talking about Street Fighter. And I'm like, oh, no, no, then this person, and this person, and this, this moves, and then this over here, and then that. And I'm like, okay, I've got to – you got to rein it in. Hell, yeah. You got to have some kind of like guide or some kind of like pathway so yeah. that you're not all over the fucking place. But um, – Oh, yeah, dude. But yeah, hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, there'll be more of these every so often. Anytime that there's kind of, um, like I know every so often on the main show, we'll just skip a week randomly if somebody maybe has to work or if just someone's not feeling well or if something happens or if it's a holiday. So basically, I, I'm here to make sure we don't miss a week. So you'll definitely always be getting at least one episode a week. So uh Still always look for the main show predominantly Monday nights, Tuesday mornings. Uh, predominantly, sometimes we move it around, but you should still be getting a couple of, uh, an, uh, you should still be getting an episode every week. So you should still be getting an episode early this week with me and the uh, the nerds, Aaron and James. Oh, yeah. And um, fuck yeah, my nerds. We did it. 
James, where can they find you? James. Seth, where can they find you? <laughs> uh, who's Sorry, next? Sorry, he just sent the message to the chat. I just yeah. read his name. Who's next gaming.com is the website. Who's next podcast? You can check me out over there. And Sammy Savage 88 is the Twitch stream. If you want to check me out there, I am punching Dark Souls 3. Fuck yeah, dude. Same thing with me. Go over to Instagram.com slash Jester954. Go follow me and see all my pretty records. I'm very good at spending all my money on records. Also, go to the Twitch. Nerds, the podcast. I'm on there almost every night. If I'm not on there, maybe Aaron's on there. And if we're not on there, Seth might be on there punching Dark Souls. So, fuck yeah, my nerds. We did it. I want to say I appreciate all of you. Thank you for being nerds. And uh, take care of yourselves, guys.